What's going on, Power Project crew? This is Josh Settledge, a.k.a. Settlegate, here to introduce you to our next guest, Case Kenny. Case Kenny is the Chicago-based writer, podcaster, and recording artist behind the New Mindset Journal. Case often refers to himself as a sorts of dude bro guy because, as he says, he isn't any more enlightened than the average person, but what he does have is an intense hunger and drive to become the best person he possibly can. It was this drive and passion for growth that inspired him to start the New Mindset Who Dis podcast in the summer of 2018. Almost two years later, in 8 million downloads and honors as an Apple podcast, top 30 podcast, top 100 mental health, iHeartRadio top 10, Deezer's Editor's Choice, and many more accolades later, Case has made a name for himself as a prominent podcaster and mindfulness thought leader. On a side note, Case's passion for growth and introspection grew in 2020 with the release of his music and mindfulness DJ collaborations. But that is a different story for a different time, so please enjoy this conversation with Case Kenny. I don't know, you ever feel like you slept a lot and like you got like a like a really good dose of sleep? I felt, I felt that. And you kind of wake up and you're like, oh, like I feel good, but, but I felt that. I didn't feel like that this shaking morning. it off. <laughs> shaking off the sleep yeah yo you know what's so weird this you guys have done this before but like setting your alarm right so my alarm this morning was set for 6 15 right 6 15 a.m mm-hmm. but then i woke up at 6 14 a.m mm-hmm. and that wow. happens to me like right like the minute before my alarm goes off and that happens so much because you're that, fucking terrified it's <laughs> <laughs> gonna go off yeah <laughs> But it's, it's like just a so jack funny. in the box. You know? yeah. <laughs> You're like, yeah. oh, fuck, here it goes. Yeah, those things are terrifying. <laughs> those are the worst. It's just so so weird. It's like it's not like I'm, I'm looking at that shit while I'm asleep. It's like your body just like knows it's six fourteen. Get the fuck up. Mm-hmm. It's amazing when you look at the clock and it's like way earlier than you expected. Yep. And that's it's the worst when it's it. way later. Yeah. You yeah, look at the clock funny. and you're like, it's probably only like midnight <laughs> and it's like 5 30 you're like what yeah that is the worst unfortunate. Like, oh my god you're like i gotta be up kind of now-ish this yeah. sucks mm-hmm. but there are times where you'll wake up you know go take a leak or something and it's like dude i've been asleep for like 15 years <laughs> and you look over and it's like oh it's only been like 45 minutes this is sick <laughs> yeah, i love that I fucking yeah. love that. yeah i don't know where you go for that time warp but Holy that's crap. a good that's a good feel isn't it mm-hmm. i'm going down to san diego today dude For what one of my favorite places ever just hanging out on the beach of okay. course mm-hmm. perfect all the time go hang out at john cena's place just chill no i'm kidding i'm like really <laughs> <laughs> you could oh, do that though i was super close to being born there oh wow oh, yeah. where were you born by the way in sacramento uh same here but my Parents. Top five ugliest people in the world, Sacramento, right? Or is that just United States? I think it's the I think United we States. <laughs> but we should probably United claim States. it. No. <laughs> I wonder what the others, like, like first of all, where that thing came from. But My what guess, is, Utah. What, yeah, what, yeah, what are the other areas? <laughs> where did that are, come from? What are the other areas look like? That with such disdain. Utah. <laughs> yeah, but Utah's like, I don't know, people are like no. pretty, like, uh, they get outside quite a bit, you know? Yeah. I would imagine somewhere where you're like... I don't know. Like, there's a lot of skiing and stuff in Utah. Utah is like a little bit like Colorado. <laughs> oh, my know. God. 
Okay, so 20 ugliest cities <laughs> in the United States. Okay. Uh, this is so, like, this is not current, by the way. So we might have, we may have yeah. kind of gotten ourselves out of the ditch there, but that was Hopefully. 2016 or something, probably. Okay, Cape Disappointment, Washington, San Jose, Stockton. That makes sense. Um, <laughs> Camden, New Jersey. <laughs> Memphis, Tennessee, Reno, Nevada. That makes a lot of sense. That does. St. Louis, Cleveland, Ohio. Hmm. Really? Detroit, hmm. Michigan. Tom, Tom, Oakland. God, there's, no. a lot of, there's a lot of California. LA face, Oakland booty. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's incorrect. Fuck Riverside, that. California. There's a lot of California. I thought California was like. We just have more people. We just have more people. Fresno. Wow. This is yeah. getting to be insulting. Bakersfield. Well, Bakersfield smells. So if, if Bakersfield smells. <laughs> Bakersfield <laughs> smells like Sacramento shit. wasn't on the list. We'll take hey, five. Yeah, we yeah. Made it. Andrew, we made it. high five, air five. We made it. We made it. We're no longer one of the ugliest cities in, California, I love it. in the world, in the United States. Did you see? Uh, we recalibrated. Yes. Did you see? Um, so there was like a uh, poll, whatever you want to call it, like the um, sexiest bald men or whatever. Mm. And then The Rock got pissed off because he wasn't on it. He wasn't. He's like, I demand a recount. That's but, a bit of an injustice. Though. Yeah, but he said, "What in the cinnamon toast fuck? I demand <laughs> a recount." And it bring that up because did you guys see that cinnamon toast crunch issue drama, whatever you want to call it? I no. didn't. Uh, so honestly, one of the guys that like got me into like really really loving podcasting uh-huh. jensen carp he had a sick ass podcast back in the day called get up on this mm-hmm. so i followed him for ever okay so it's i watched i watched this whole thing play out from him posting a picture on twitter being like um i don't know what this is i know what this looks like but can you guys explain to me what this is and he tagged cinnamon toast crunch mm. And he's like, and for the record, I've already had a bowl. And so and it's getting really, really weird. But it's just like, holy shit, this blew up. And it was just interesting because like since I follow him, seeing it spring out from like nothing to holy shit, this is literally everywhere. Huh. And it's just so weird watching something go viral like in real time. I've never seen that before. But yeah, it's getting really weird. And for The Rock to say that, I was just like, oh my God, The Rock saw it too. Well, we, we have a viral video going around around here. We, we do? do? Mm-hmm. What is it? involves the Natty Professor. Uh-oh. What did I do? Here we go. It was when you were taking steroids in the bathroom. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Yeah. As, long, as long as it's just that. Yeah. I don't want any serious. of the other no, stuff that's going on around Nothing too on. controversial. Yeah. Or anything. Yeah, it was you scoop, scooping up one of our models. It has like 400 or something, I don't know, 500,000 views. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that. Yeah, yeah. On Instagram or something? No, no, TikTok. 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 Oh, I got to mm-hmm. check it out. Yeah. Telling you guys the TikTok's popping. I think that's on the MB Slingshot TikTok. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At MB Slingshot, viral. TikTok, went viral. viral. They, they, man, it's a dangerous app because when you get scrolling, you don't want to do it. When you get scrolling, man, they it, like they figure they keep out me scrolling. <laughs> it's true. TikTok's algorithm is so good at figuring out what you like and, and just spitting that to you like, like a, just a this fast pace. Super so fast. you're riding dirty. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it, exactly. It, it honestly just takes like one like pause on a video, and then that's your whole feed. What's amazing about stuff like that is uh, it kind of reminds me of like the car accident thing, like where you, where you can't stop looking at like whatever happened on the freeway. Yep. Yeah. TikTok, and I've only been on there a tiny bit, but like some of it, you're like, this is so dumb, and you're like, this is so dumb. Oh my god, this is so dumb. Oh my god, this is so dumb. Look how dumb this is. Yeah. And some of it's like dumb slash funny, so you just keep kind of going with it. 
Uh, or how did this one go viral? This this is really stupid. That right? is annoying. When I was trying to like learn, but it makes you watch it forever. Uh-huh. When I was trying to learn everything, uh, some young kid was like literally like put less thought into your TikToks, and that's what will crush. Yes. And sure enough, he I can't I'm not gonna remember, but he was doing something stupid in his living room, his parents' living room. He's like million views. I have I wasn't literally doing nothing to that video. He's like, and then I try and. Uh, falls flat don't try yeah so but, yoda just don't try <laughs> yeah see the hat crazy. i think the back oh, yeah yep, 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 there, there it is don't try try not try not it, well it's interesting because like for a while people were setting up their photos all perfect and moving shit out of the way and like yeah trying to make sure they had a their bed made or whatever and mm-hmm. socks weren't on the floor in the background of the room or whatever and then uh tiktok just like kind of just broke mm-hmm. all those rules i guess kind of went puriti mochi the other way what mm, pretty much what does that mean it means pretty much oh yeah. hey, um do you guys watch the fights yes any chance? We did. I, I missed them, i didn't but, get a chance to see him yeah. yo what was ngano was fighting yes it was ngano and then um Stipe. <laughs> woodley woodley also uh, woodley. So i did woodley. see that yeah and then sugar shane uh sean o'malley or whatever sarms yeah oh yeah. oh my god who won the heavyweight fight Nganu. Nice. Oh my God. I don't know what you did. Was that their that, third third fight? fight? I believe yeah. so, yeah. That was cool. their second fight. That was oh, their second my fight. Bad. Yeah, yeah. Um oh my God. That was insane, man. Like it first off, like Nganu was super calm. And if you've watched his power fights, like mm. he's just waiting to get you with that one hit <laughs> so he can loads, take you out. Loads up the right hand, yeah. But this time, like he hit Stipe a few times and he was just like just waiting. Just waiting. Nice. And a stalker in Ganu is chilling. That's scary. It's chilling. Yeah. Uh, Stipe came in at like 230, I think. And Ganu was, was like 263. Or <laughs> yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's like <gasps> over 30 pounds. Like, oh my God, that heavyweight division is fucking ridiculous. Bro, I had this poll. I, I showed it to you. I had this yeah, poll yeah, on my yeah. Instagram where I was like, would you take a clean 100% punch from Francis and Ganu in the face for a million dollars? Would you guys? I just want to know. No. No, because when you said like a clean shot, like I'm just standing there. Yeah, like, just standing like, there. Like, no, a million dollars. I, take the hit. Li- I mean, I know you followed up with a couple other posts and yeah, but that's like, w- w- do I want to die for a million dollars? Or get like, really good brain damage. But you know, like, okay, uh, now if you said fight, you know, like, and uh, you know, obviously I'm still going to get my ass kicked, but at least I can like, I don't know, run in, try to hug him and then tap out. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But no, absolutely not. That's oh, ridiculous. Fuck, and yeah. then the, the results were insane. A lot of people would, a lot yeah. of people would like punch in the face. Like to me, it means like more direct, you know, it's uh-huh. like straight on, mm-hmm. uh, getting punched to the side. Wouldn't be as bad. Cause you wouldn't really remember much. Like me here or here or uh, no, just like, like punch to the side of the face. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, you would just turn be, it. you'd probably just be knocked out, uh-huh. you know, punched straight in your grill. I think it would just like, I mean, it could also knock you out, but you'll just get like really fucked up too. Mm-hmm. I think. Or an uppercut. Oh, oh no. Picture getting uh, an, an uppercut an will upper, change the look an, of your yeah. face. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Maybe a jab from Ngannou, because that's really what put uh, Stipe out anyways. And he's like falling backwards. Yeah. Just like <sighs> heavy handed, man. Just fucking. And then boom. the hammer fist. It's like people, someone needs to make a, a freaking uh, compilation of Ngannou's hammer fists. Oh. Because it's like you have to finish the opponent yeah. off until the ref. Mm-hmm. So he just comes over and he just hammers Stipe's face into the ground. And it's just, you just see his body just go like that. And it's just. Well, like uh, the the, oh, shot, the the O'Malley fight, same thing. 
Right. He tried to walk thing. off twice and he's like, fuck it. All right, here we go. And yeah. Just got came it. down. You got to see that, Mark. I, I wish you could I'll pull check it out. out. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to get. Yeah. O'Malley, like he, uh, the ref, the, the, like the guy was on the, on the ground, the ref didn't call it. So O'Malley walks up hella casually and then just like punches his face on the ground to finish him Shit. off. Cause he had no choice. Yeah. It's insane. Oof. It's weird when the guy's out and his head's like already mm-hmm. on the mat. There's yeah. nowhere for it to go. There, yeah, there's nowhere else for it Fuck. to go when the guy's like out, out. Sometimes they get like frozen and they're kind of like stuck mm-hmm. and their chin is still up and their head's still off the mat. And then at least when they get hit, their head has somewhere to move. But yeah, it's it's such a scary thing when they do lock up and they just like stiffen up and fall back. Like, oh my gosh. It's a wild sport. How yeah. did you guys miss these fights this weekend? Such I, I mean, I had, I, I had, so I had watched the Sean O'Malley fight. Yeah. And then I watched part of the, the Tyron Woodley fight. <laughs> I watched, like, I kind of was back and forth. And then I seen he lost and I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and then that was it. I didn't really, I didn't really care about the rest. All I right. mean, I cared, but I just, yeah. I'd rather go to sleep. All right. You know, you guys know what's funny about the Tyron Woodley thing? Um, a friend of mine sent me a DM about this and Not told too. me how, like, Woodley has this song called Beat Your Ass. And ever since he came out with that song, he yes. hasn't won a fight. Aww. Ain't that a, ain't that that a bitch? Uh, what, what is it about the UFC? So, like, I mean, I guess it's just, it's different because it's combat sports. But you see someone like Tom Brady that's able to, you know, reign supreme. They're able to stay on top. Even, like, mm-hmm. the, the, the Chiefs, they won the Super Bowl and they made it back to the Super Bowl. I know they lost. But yeah. in the UFC, it's like, um, uh, like, nobody could come close to beating Conor McGregor. He ran through everybody. Mm-hmm. And then he loses a couple times in a row. Uh, homegirl that would um, armbar. She was untouchable until yeah. she got hit, knocked out once, and then she couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Tyron Woodley, he was like on top for like two years straight. Yeah, man, he had a lot of title defenses. And then now he's like, he, oh my god! And even it's even happened to some of the goats. You know, it's happened to like Anderson Silva. Yeah, yeah. Where he just like yeah. he couldn't like, and he had like weird circumstances, like his leg broke and mm-hmm. shit like that. But like, I mean, he was the craziest thing anyone's ever seen mm-hmm. in and the it, UFC, and then he just. Got beat a hey, couple King times. King Velasquez. GSP has stayed pretty <laughs> yeah. dominant. He's the one of the only ones who I <laughs> had, haven't seen yeah. had like a fall. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, you're right. It's crazy. I just, I've never really seen, I know, again, I know it's fighting, it's combat sports, but even in boxing, like people, and, and I guess the fights are different, but I don't know. I just, they're so unstoppable. And then all of a sudden it's like, I don't even know the other guy, like where he came from and he smoked him. Yeah. I think some of the guys are like really professional, like, obviously they're all professional but like a randy couture or george st pierre like they recognize like if you're not if you're not training you know it doesn't matter that you got the belt like if you're not really up to par then you're just not up to like the people in there they're all really dangerous gotta take everybody very very seriously some of the guys with that wrestling background they they keep that training in there and they don't they don't falter or or just fall back onto like whatever they did in the past you know Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But also, once you get knocked out, I mean, it's easier to get knocked out. That's, That's what crazy. they say. You you always hear that. Mm-hmm. You always hear that. You know, guys coming back from like losses that it's just very very hard for them to do. So plus, you got to think like you got to wonder all those consecutive hits over mm-hmm. time. It's got to mess with like your reflexes. It's oh, got to yeah. mess with things over time. Like unless you're a fighter that doesn't get hit that often, right? Right. Bones is doing pretty well. 
You oh, see how man. he? Oh, that that man. might be the next fight actually. In Ganu Bones, yeah. And I think that's just that's unfortunate <laughs> for. And I I would like Ganu to win, mm-hmm. but I feel like Bones is just such like Ganu has that one punch man strength. I feel like Bones is just such a tactician. It's that uh, it's perfect it for Bones. It mm-hmm. could be. It, it sounds weird, but like, um, it could be a fight that really makes him. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's. Isn't that crazy? If Bones was done now, I, he just. I, I think he's the greatest of all time, and I think yep. he deserves consideration for that definitely. But uh, I'm not the judge. You know, the mm-hmm. the people are, and when, if the people see him step into the heavy whoa are you okay yeah just have to do it upwards because my back and close my mouth if people uh you know so, <laughs> if people people uh see bones uh beat nganu i think uh that might help solidify some stuff for yeah nganu is a he's a different human man like some people they're just like built to fight mm-hmm. right they just have that kind of body like he's six foot four his reach is just like fucking goes past your face from where i mm-hmm. am everything is fucking <laughs> long and shit and well, they were saying what? with uh, like Brock Lesnar, like uh, uh, Joe Rogan's description of him is like, this is the guy with the longest, biggest like sword that would ride up on the biggest, baddest looking mm-hmm. horse, mm-hmm. you know, back when there was fucking Vikings. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, yeah, I could see that. You're mm-hmm. like, fuck yeah. No, no one would mess with that crew. Right. Like you'd just mm-hmm. be like, mm, we're good. Take whatever you want. Yeah. Take yeah. our TPs from us. We're good. <laughs> His story's crazy too. Like he like grew up working in mines in Cameroon as a kid. Mm-hmm. Like this kid was he was working. Yeah. A, a man's job he's, as a child. He's so got that farmer strength. <laughs> he's got that farmer strength and oh, it's insane, man. I'd never ever want to fight. Yeah, it sounds fake. Yeah. It's like yeah. shoveling shoveling coal or whatever, right? <laughs> yes. Like quite literally. You're like, nah, that can't be true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He yeah. can't be that big just from that. So we have a couple minutes before our guest jumps on, but, um, dude, putting coffee or putting element chocolate in my coffee has become such a huge staple, especially on the weekends when I'm getting work done. Of course. Um, I don't, but for me, I do it for the flavor, but why is something like this kind of like beneficial? Why? Because it's electrolytes. Yeah. But even on a day where I'm not training. Um, for me personally, like I, I look at it like it, if you're hydrated and you have adequate electrolytes, you're going to be able to perform better. Like mm-hmm. even when you're not training, you can still get dehydrated. You could still feel kind of run down. A lot of my homies use it just so that they could feel a little bit better when they aren't getting work done. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not drinking coffee, like I have a friend that doesn't drink coffee, but he likes electrolytes instead. And I can understand that because again, you're hydrated. Everything's firing the way it should. Yeah. And then also like I've been having, um, just, uh, whether it be chocolate or just unflavored right before bed. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed I'm not waking up to pee as much, you know, oh. before it would be like two times a night, three times a night, even yeah. now it's either one or none. I'm not nice. sure like if I got to get the timing right or what it may be or be maybe sodium. Just, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Whatever, it, whatever it is, it, it's freaking working and I'm really appreciating it because right now sleep is a premium. Mm. little boy still waking up a couple times a night but Mm. anyways um yeah so element electrolytes um you guys hear us talk about it often um if you want to try it out for yourself you can do so for free right now um they're still offering the free element recharge pack you get uh, eight samples shipped to you all you have to do is pay for that five dollar shipping but then after that if you want to step up you can get the value bundle which is what we get it's uh you're buying three boxes any flavors you want and you're getting a fourth one again any flavor you want for free you can do so at drinklmnt.com slash power project no code needed just head there right now and pick yourself up one of those big old value bundles 
They have a new flavor coming out too. Oh damn! Yeah, Uh-oh. trauma. I don't know if we're supposed to say what it is, so I'm not going to say it. But mm, yeah. you got that Illuminati info, Top. insider it's info. It's not from the Illuminati. Oh, sorry. I thought you guys just have like Different a newsletter that gets everything. Different organization. Mm. Top secret. Mm-hmm. Top secret. I had a uh, uh, cookies and cream uh, legendary pop tart. Oh, pretty damn man! Good. You got a box? I do. I do. I'll bring it in. <laughs> Today? <laughs> so, so you, yeah, got, you, you got, got one, one, you got one with you today? Can you, you didn't just think about bringing you know, two I in. Know, can I you know. go home and get it right now? S- or no? <laughs> Come back. <laughs> I'll get them dropped off over here. Nice. Yo. There we Hello. go. Hello. What's up? What's up, guys? How's it going today? Things going good? Things are amazing. Awesome. How are you guys? We're doing fantastic. Congratulations on all the success of uh, your podcast. We've heard... Nothing but good things, so it's great to have you on the show today. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm grateful to be here. Quick Thank question. You. Do you have pants on currently? I have shorts on. Okay. No. <laughs> Ask that question, because on one of his episodes, he was talking about how he, like, just Sometimes. doesn't wear pants. <laughs> oh, so. that's that big dick energy you need to get it on. <laughs> it's like a satellite. Like you don't want to cover it up. You know? <laughs> Can't keep that contained. You gotta breathe. Yeah. Exactly. How did uh, podcasting get started for you? And, um, you know, how did you end up kind of forming the type of podcast that you have now? Yes, I I started podcasting in like 2014. I used to host a podcast with a former business partner where we interviewed entrepreneurs. So like, that's how I got my feet wet in podcasting. But I started this one, my, my profession three years ago, kind of just as a challenge to myself. Honestly, I just wanted to challenge myself. Um, I'd written online for a long time. So I was like, I'm just going to try to to talk through my thoughts, something more vulnerable about that, as opposed to just writing and editing. Um, and I wanted to do it without guests. So I don't, I don't ever do guests. It's all me talking, which is like the ultimate uh, proof that you can create something cool. So I just, yeah, three years later, still going 278 episodes. Nice. What was your first business that you started with? Oh God, I've had, I've had many, many tried and failed businesses. Um, I'm looking at one. I used to sell, uh, motivational canvases, art pieces. That was one, um, tried to start a couple media companies around blogs and publications, one around, um, you know, uh, video courses, classic entrepreneurial venture video courses, um, <laughs> tried pretty much everything. <laughs> what did fun. you uh what what do you think one of the key components like of uh, something that you learned like in in maybe failing and maybe having some of those things not succeed that has helped lead to some of your success today yeah i mean i, I think branding's everything i mean like my business this past year has has been insane like the numbers that i have are like i never thought i'd be able to do it in five years let alone eight months and i think mm. it's because i've created a personal brand that like creates emotional triggers with people i think that's the ultimate thing you have to you have to find something that irks people in a positive way something that people can relate to something that solves a problem whereas before i was just kind of like creating things that i thought were cool uh, which i think is an important part of entrepreneurship but you've got to solve a problem and it's got to be like an emotional kind of solve it's got to be something that like is universal that people need help with um, and now it's what I do. I sell journals, uh, mindfulness journals, and that um, seems to have done the trick. On the podcast you did before, you said that you were like were interviewing a lot of guests and a lot of entrepreneurs. Um, and then h- how did you have the idea to transition to this type of podcast? Because in this podcast, like looking through like the episode titles and the way things are put forward, um, I was talking to Mark. I was like, 
it's like he he's talking not just talking to yourself but it's like a newer generation of i guess more emotionally intelligent younger individuals because when i talk to a lot of my friends it's a lot of the things that you talk about but when i talk to people that are a little bit older it's like i i wouldn't see them vibing with the way these things are put forward so i'm just curious like what was what was the premise behind it yeah um yeah well i appreciate that because i mean that that's exactly it like i'm like kind of anti-expert um I would never call myself an expert, which sometimes people like my, my mentors, like you got, well, like that, you can't not call yourself an expert. Like I'll go, I did a appearance on Fox the other day and the host introduced me as case Kenny dating expert. <laughs> and I just kind of cringed at that. I was like, Oh man, I was like, I'm not going to correct you live on air. But, uh, I just like, I, I genuinely think that people nowadays, people that consume content of any kind, they don't want to listen to another expert. They want to listen to people with credentials, of course. They want to listen to people who have experiences and perspectives. But I think the whole era of guruship and expert this and expert that, like, it's, it's of course, helpful, but people want relatability. They want to talk to people who are going through it, have gone through it, and are simply just relaying their, their perspective as opposed to being lectured on what's right and what's wrong. And I've really leaned into that, and people seem to relate to it much more because it's true, like, I'm just a guy being a dude. Like I have no credentials in in the sense of being a life coach or being a mindfulness guy or expert or anything like that. I don't have a background in psychology or I never studied it in college. Um, but what I do have is is uh, life experience. I have eyes and ears, and uh, I think I have a skill that I've been given, which is the ability to simplify things in life, which I think everyone can use that. Um, and you know, I set out again to create the podcast as a challenge. But also it's like, it's like my therapy. Like I always say, like the podcast is obviously for other people because I've managed to create a business around it. But it's also every time I hop on an episode, it's for me. Like I don't go to therapy, um, not because I'm against it or anything like that, but just because this is my therapy. I hop in here for 20 minutes, talk on my podcast through my experiences, my problems, whatever. And I come out feeling so much better about it. So like the podcast is for me. It's like this great you know, symbiotic ecosystem where I could talk about things that help other people that also help me. And I do it in a no bullshit way and it helps and it helps people. It's like, it's the greatest, greatest thing I could do. And I always say that it's because I've been given a gift. Um, and I think pe- all the time it's like, it's sometimes it's tough to know what gift you've been given in life. I think a lot of people think gifts are these overt skills and talents, right? You're an mm-hmm. amazing actor, singer, athlete, whatever. I'm not particularly great at anything like that, but I, I have this ability, I think, to simplify um, decision-making, minimize overthinking, and just be happier as a result. And then if I can talk and I can help other people, I'm going to continue to do it. So that's always been my objective, and it's worked, and um, people listen, and it's uh, you know, I'm grateful for that. I think what you're bringing up is, is a really good point, is that uh, even a lot of your listeners, a lot of the people that are like, oh, man, how does he have the confidence to do some of these things? Even a lot of those people have great stories to share. And if they just got started talking on a microphone, they would probably be shocked at some of the people that would listen to their uh, weight loss journey, their fitness journey, their, uh, you know, financial freedom journey or whatever the hell it is that they're going towards. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm like the biggest advocate for ed- anyone to try to create anything that they want. Like, <laughs> 
everyone does have, seem to have a podcast nowadays, which is funny to me, but I'm all for that. I'm all for anyone hopping on Instagram and, and posting a motivational quote too. Like I know people give other people shit a lot for that. They're like, keep Gandhi out of this, Jessica, take your mirror selfie and move on. Like, I, I, like <laughs> Wait, what? I, 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 I'm all for it. Like, like ah, post, okay. like, you know, like a, like a hot girl posting yeah, yeah, a mirror selfie and then a booty picture. And then so confused. Self love, bro. But yeah, I mean, I agree, man. I think everyone has perspective that's helpful and that's the end of the story. And I think people should tap into that and have the confidence to portray it. Like I never set out to be a self-help guy. I never set out to be a professional podcaster either. Truly, truthfully. Like, again, I started the podcast as a challenge to myself right before I started it. I was in like a three year long relationship, hopped out of that, was like, who is Case? I was really into my 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 career at the time in sales, hopped out. I was like, who is Case as a man? Who is Case as a, a purpose driven human? I was like, I don't really know because I had been so invested in the relationship and the job, hopped out. I was like, I'm going to do the podcast, discover these things. And then I was like, holy shit, all these people are listening. I remember the first month I released a podcast that had 56,000 downloads, which um, isn't a lot if you're a professional podcaster, but is a ton if you're an amateur podcaster for the first time trying, it immediately puts you in the, in the top percentile. I was like, whoa, like why, why do people care? And then it started, well, people were really drawn to just the way that I simplify things, the relatability, the stories I always told to back up my points and whatnot. So um, yeah, and here we are. So I mean, I've just been following that. Never had an intention to do this professionally. And now I give a lot of dating advice, which I never in a million years thought I would do, considering I'm 30, 33, single. Uh, it just seems funny to me. So I've just been, you just keep pulling that cord and see where it leads me. Uh, what's been the hardest thing to share? Like where you've kind of been like, I don't even really feel that comfortable talking about this, or you talked about it and then people wanted you to dive in a lot deeper and it maybe was uh, maybe even too personal almost. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, the thing about the internet is it's the internet, right? So anything that people see about me is, wow, Case is the man. He's confident. His photos look great. He's this and that. And on podcasts, I choose my words very carefully. You know, it's polished. And, um, you know, I think the assumption there is that I'm this guy who's got everything figured out, that I've never stumbled, I've never failed, I've never been broken up with, I've never been rejected or whatever. Um, and I think, um, I, I think it's mandatory of myself that when I give advice, I tell those stories. And that's always been tough, but it is cathartic. Like, I mean, I tell the story all the time about how my last serious relationship, my was 27 through 30, like, you know, we lived together, I came home one day, and she just packed up and moved out. And like, that's a, that's a, you know, uh, you know, it is what it is. Like I'm completely healed from that, but that's a tough story to tell considering I'm the guy who's hopping on here talking about confidence and how, what, knowing what's right for you and what's wrong for you and giving people advice. And then here I'm the guy who comes home one day and is blindsided. Right. So, but I like, that's part of my story and I need to tell that because that gives a little bit of merit to my perspective. And I've, I've lived through that. I've seen that and here's what it's taught me. So it's always tough because it's like, Again, it's it's this interesting dichotomy of being a guy who's got it all figured out so that people listen to me versus also being this guy who's vulnerable, who has perspectives that are somewhat painful and trying to balance that um, as a entertainer, influencer, content creator. I don't even know what I'd call myself. So sometimes it's tough, but necessary. 
man, you got to be probably get questions like all the time as far as dating and stuff, since some people refer to you as the dating expert, even though you do not like that. But <laughs> with that being said, do having done this for years, having thought a lot about this, what have you seen in terms of the modern dating sphere that are maybe some things that we deal with now that may have not been actual issues in the past, but you, you've, you've probably just seen trends that most people don't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it is funny again on the whole dating expert thing. I'm going on good morning America in three weeks as their <laughs> dating expert to talk about my book single is your superpower. So I think I'm just going to have to embrace the title and just move, move past. I'm like really stubborn about certain things and like, that's just one of them. Yeah. Um, but again, it probably shouldn't be. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, obviously I don't have uh, anything to compare to as far as I didn't, you know, grow up with my parents, but I think like, the biggest thing is, I mean, you have everyone, every pundit wants to talk about uh, app culture and hookup culture and the age of the internet and how it's created all these problems for, for millennials and Gen Zers dating in this day and age. And yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. I think it's, it's uh, dating uh, and uh, app culture is, is interesting. There's so many options that people tend not to make any decision at all. And people are getting married later and later. And um, I think that's the evolution of, of culture in, in 2020, 2021. I don't think there's anything to say beyond that. I think people like to, to create all kinds of conclusions from that. I think the, I think the biggest thing and the reason that I have an audience and the reason that I sell so many books and, and journals is people don't take time, particularly my compatriots in their 20s and 30s don't take time to like know what they want and that sounds like a cliche thing but it really is true like i consider myself in my 20s i would ask myself the question like why am i dating right now and i, and I never knew the answer it's like so pe- people do, like don't take the time to ask themselves that they're like well what do you mean why am i dating i'm human i'm supposed to pair off with someone else create a life together leave a legacy like that's the answer and i think yeah of course that's a like I agree. We're wired to do that. We're not meant to be alone, but that's not a good enough reason. So like, that's why I like, I really try to empower people to come up with like a somewhat like selfish. Why? Like I am dating in order to do something. I am dating in order to find someone who makes me a better person. I am dating to find someone who checks my ego. I'm dating to find someone who inspires me in this, that, and the other way, like a little bit of self-serving mechanisms, as opposed to I'm dating because, you know, I want to have a family. Uh, that's a great reason, but I think you need to go a layer deeper. And the reason I say that is then you have this reason that's guiding you when you're swiping, when you're texting, when you're going through all the bullshit of dating, which is laden with bullshit. Um, you have this reason to fall back on, and then you can make decisions from that is, is saying yes to this date going to further this goal is saying, no, isn't asking this person out going to further this objective. Yes. No, make a decision. I always call it. It's like, we operate in the gray of life. We don't know why we're doing what we're doing. We don't take time to think about it. And no great decision has ever come from operating in the gray. That's just being ambiguous about what you want. And then you have another person who also doesn't know what they want and you guys are trying to date. It's like, no wonder you're having issues. So um, it's, it's just a matter of self-awareness. I mean, that's all I ever talk about in the podcast. Mindfulness equals self-awareness. Self-awareness equals asking yourself why as often as you can. So um, that, that's the biggest thing. I think nowadays we just don't take time to, to do that. I think maybe previous generations, the why was always cemented in their mind for any which reason. Again, just a hypothesis. But I just think nowadays with the availability of so many options and date and, and apps and sliding in the DM and all those great things, it's like we just don't take time to come up with a why. I think sometimes, you know, when people don't have a good understanding of why they're with somebody, they just want to be with them because it would be too painful for mm-hmm. Uh, for them to not be together, yeah. you know, which which is like uh, totally understandable. But 
uh, it could potentially get you to a new spot like uh, like what happened with you. It sounds to me like uh, that girl that walked out on you sounded like she did like the biggest favor for you ever because it probably opened up your life to be able to see better and who the hell knows, you know, the, the, you know the, all the reasons why and you probably were like, you know, why didn't she love me or why doesn't she care about me still? And it probably was really painful, but it probably super transformative in a lot of ways. Dude, I mean, amen. I mean, I, th- I look back at that and I'm like a little not proud of myself because I knew in that circumstance, I didn't know why I was dating her, but I didn't want to start over to your point. I didn't want to be alone to your point. So I was just coasting and she obviously picked up on that. She was intuitive. She knew I wasn't committed. So she did me the biggest favor ever and dumped my ass and was out. And I've grown as a man, as a human as an entrepreneur, a thousand X as a result of that. So I, and so I what if you still check her Instagram every morning. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. I mean, it's right. Yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah, she's having a great morning. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. She had her normal espresso. Everything's going good. Yeah, great day. Yeah. Oh man. So for, um, you know, some of that self-awareness and, you know, asking yourself why, um, when you're telling people like, Hey, create content and stuff. I know there's a lot of people that are like, well, I want to, do something, but I don't really know exactly what content to make. I'm not the expert or I'm not this, I'm not that. Would you have them have basically the same conversation, you know, asking why, like, why do you want to talk about fitness or why do you want to talk about this or that? Um, Is that something that you would recommend someone do? Yeah. I mean, I think that's the best question. You, you, Mm -hmm. You sit down and someone's like, I want to, you know, I want to create content about weight loss, whatever. And I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do, whatever. I would say, well, why do you want to do that? And then hopefully they would be like, well, in my early teens, I struggled struggled with body image. And then I really tapped into weightlifting. And then I really found myself and I really found how much, how powerful I was and the ability I had to lean into discipline and things like that. And that is what has taught me. I'm like, well, fantastic. You've just created the foundation for what might be impactful for other people. You have a story that you've learned and you have the ability to tell that in a way that's maybe entertaining and educational. Boom. There you go. So I think the question of why is going to really unearth both your motivation to do something, which I think is important. Um, I just want to be famous. That is not a good enough reason that's going to fall on its uh, fall in on itself every time. But if it's genuine and it's coming from a place of I've learned this and I want to empower other people to learn it because it's helped me so much, there's a reason. That's why like that's why I'm willing to give dating advice, because like what is what is the barometer for giving advice? Like what gives credit? What gives merit to your words, particularly within dating? I don't think it's being married. I don't think it's having kids. That isn't the barometer that you've been a successful dater in my mind. The, the measure of success in dating is that you're happy and fulfilled as you go along and do it. And that's for me. It's like I can get broken up with. I can be really frustrated in my dating life. I can go on bad date after bad date after bad date. And as long as it doesn't hurt me, uh, as long as I'm happy as I do it, as long as I maintain my sense of self, I think that's it. And, and I can turn around and give that advice to other people and can help them do the same. That's a reason that I, I should sit down and share my advice. So it's the same with other people. Like there's no other than like maybe like investment or like financial portfolios or something like that um, or like very specific niches where you need to have certain experiences. Like, you know, your measure of the ability to impact other people starts with your perspective um, of having experiences that empowered you to be happy and fulfilled and confident as you continue to strive towards some finish line. And in dating, it's like, what is the finish line marriage? 
Probably, right? Finding that life partner, but it's it's what you learn along the way that can be helpful. So you could, I think you could relay that to anyone who wants to create impact in life, start creating something, share something. And I think the, the best advice I would give is just do something different. I mean, you can look at anyone, like creating content online is a dime a dozen. Like what I do isn't uh, particularly unique, but it is a little bit different. Like a guy sharing his feelings it's a little, it's a little out there. You look at my Instagram. If you didn't look at the selfies that I, that I take, uh, you, you'd probably think it was run by a woman. It's very <laughs> bright and colorful. Uh, and, uh, I love that. I lean into that. Nice. I'm like, I, like, I, I picked that like masculine feminine energy very specifically. And I do it for a reason. Mm. It's like, I think you don't have to, you know, pigeonhole yourself into just being one person or one vibe or one brand. Cause you've seen it work well for someone else. You can create your own trajectory. Um, experiment with different things. I used to make fun of anyone who would post a selfie, and now I just I'm, pay, I'm posting banger after banger selfie. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's that's where we're at. That's great. And uh, as long as it helps me grow myself and helps other people, I'm going to keep doing it. So the advice would be the same for anyone else who wants to do, to do the same. Uh, what about um, your your process for you know creating content? You know, like from basically like the idea or the inception to okay, like what's your process of like gathering information or your thoughts to actually like recording? Like, is it going to be like mainly podcast or is it going to be like, you know, Instagram TV or what's the, uh, yeah. So what's a uh, case's uh, process? Yeah. Yeah. Super scientific, man. I, I, <laughs> I, I sit here and I mean, my, my, honestly, my process is, is really simple. Like I get inspired very easily. So my phone is filled with notes and screenshots of like things I see online. Um, things that I disagree with. I love going through like quote accounts because I just like see quotes and I'm like, that is not accurate. And I'll just <laughs> screenshot it and be like, I'll give my opinion on it. Mm. So I'll give myself a prompt, um, whatever it is. Like this morning, I released a podcast on why um, why people come back after a relationship fails, right? Why someone who said they're not ready for you or who rejected you or said they're going too fast, six months later, they come back and say they want to try again, right? Um, where did I get that idea? my own life, but what reminded me of it, I saw a quote the other day that was like, this is why men come back. And it was like all these like cliches. I was like, I want to give my opinion on this. So I have my prompt. I sit down in my chair in Chicago. I live right downtown overlooking the river. I throw on a bunch of house music, big EDM house guy, really loud music, not peaceful at all. Like that's not my vibe. Like I'm not like a Zen guy. I'm like a upbeat 125 beats per minute kind of guy throw on the music and I just literally word vomit into a document, a really, really outline detailed outline. Uh, and it just, and it just comes out honestly, like everyone always asks me how I do it. And it's like unconscious. Like I feel like again, back to skill sets, that's my skill. You ask like, I'm going to compare myself to a great athlete, but that's not my intention. You ask any great athlete, like how they do what they do. They're not going to break it down into the minutia. Well, first I go left and then I go right. And then I torque my arms like there, no, this is what I do because <laughs> I, this is the the skill I have and I've practiced it for 30,000 hours. Um, so they just do it. So that's what I'm at, at this point. Again, having done 277 episodes, hundreds of interviews, I've written thousands of blog posts. Like it's, it's a practice thing. Like I just get in the zone, music plus prompt plus a vulnerable spirit. I sit down and I just vomit it out. I hop on the mic, I record it. And then, yeah, I'll chop it up into different blog posts and quotes and things like that. But that's genuinely the the process, just inspiration plus the right vibe. I say vibe a lot and people make fun of me, but vibe <laughs> is important. The right context, vulnerable heart, head, 
just go at it. Yeah, I, I, I sincerely appreciate uh, what you just said because, you know, you might be thinking or somebody listening might be thinking like, oh, I have to uh, research this exact topic. I have to go to college. I have to, you know, get all the textbooks and figure out exactly what to say. And then they end up researching for, you know, a month and they never actually put the content out. Whereas you, you're just like, no, let me just get in front of the computer. Let me word vomit all over this Word doc. And then let's actually put something into action and let's put some work in. So thank you for, you know, kind of putting that out there the way you just did, because I, I know for myself personally, I get stuck in that, you know, scenario a lot, but, you know, being here and then being on this podcast, it's definitely helped. And then hearing, you know, someone like you kind of reiterate it all over again, just, it just thank you. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, no, it's kind of funny too, because um, I've had, you know, a lot of offers to do book deals and I've considered various ones and they're like, all right, cool. So, um, all right. So, uh, you know, the book's going to come out in 2024. You're going to take two years to write it. I'm like, I could write that in two months. Like, I don't, I don't understand what's, what's the, <laughs> like, I'm not a research guy. I'm not writing a thesis. Like I'm, I'm pouring out my, and I get, I get it. It's different for every industry. If I were to write a book on, you know, technical financial analysis, I got to do certain elementary discovery, but I'm over here talking about feelings. Um, and I think there's something to be said of just not reaching for perfection. Like this is a, a random comment, but I've sold almost a hundred thousand copies of my book, Single is your superpower, in the past eight months, which is insane. No publisher, nothing. Mm. And there's a lot of typos in it. <laughs> and I get those <laughs> all the time. And it's like obviously I want a great product that I'm proud of, and I'm proud of the product, but there are some typos in it. And that's because I wrote it in two months, sent it to my printer, they printed it, and I'm selling it, and it's doing amazing. Um, but I mean, yeah, man, I agree with you. It's like, we shouldn't hold ourselves back seeking perfection or overthinking the, the rationale behind why we're saying what we're saying. If you've got a thought and it's backed by something valid and you're centered in it, rock and roll with it. And obviously take the time to, to be proud of the product. But, um, yeah, I think oftentimes we overthink what we're going to create because we either doubt ourselves or we doubt what people might think. And we, we just go into this overthinking. I'm big on just gripping it and ripping it and, and uh, taking the judgment as it might pass. I was curious about your journaling process because um, the, when you said your journals, your therapist, I was actually having a conversation with a friend about this the other day. And I, I told her the same thing. I've been like using my journal for years. And I can look back on some shit that I wrote when I was like 22, 21. And it's just like, cool. I can see what you yeah. were doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> yeah. But like, I feel like that's a habit. And we've talked about this on episodes recently. That's a habit that has helped me out mentally so damn much. I'm curious, when yeah. did you get into it? And what have you noticed? Like, how's it shaped you? How's it changed you? What kind of benefits have you gotten from that practice? Yeah. Can I ask you what kind of journal you use? Is it just like a blank one or? Well, okay. So I have this journal that's like for work and, and work yeah. stuff, but then the blank yeah. journal is just my thoughts. So I, I like, I don't have any prompts oh. in it or questions or anything. It's just, what am I thinking? Why am I feeling this way? All that type of shit. I just write all that stuff down. Right on. Cool. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, it's like, I've undergone what I would say is a pretty drastic transformation. You compare who I am 33 versus who I was 23 or maybe like let's call it 27 somewhere in there i was like really closed off like everyone would always like if i ever like portrayed any emotion people were like whoa case emotion like what's going on so like it's been a complete 180 like i'm like the feelings guy now uh apparently uh so like i've undergone this transformation and i always in my 20s like 
I was aware of this fact. I was like, I am aware that I find it difficult to communicate how I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. I am aware that I'm a bit closed off, not cold, but just closed off the way I was raised, upbringing, my development, whatever, who knows something in my childhood. I, I learned that it was best to keep my feelings to myself. Um, and then, you know, for me that, that evolved to, you know, not taking time to uh, analyze my feelings. I was like, not only am I not going to share it, but I'm just going to any feeling that I get internally, I'm just going to shove it down, put it under the couch and move on with my day. Um, But as I got older, obviously I started to, and matured and started to develop my own perspectives on life. I realized that that was not healthy. So I was like, I need to get to find a way to get these things out of my head, out of my heart and just look at them. And I was like, I'm not great at meditating. Like I'm a little bit ADD. So to sit down and be like, clear your mind or focusing on whatever. I was like, I just can't do it. I'm like, Ooh, shiny. I'm just like, it just doesn't work for me. Um, uh, so I was like, I was like, well, I hear this great thing about journaling. So I was like, I went out and bought every journal I can get my hands on. Um, for the most part, or anyone I could find, uh, I got them. I still got them all over here somewhere. They're like a big, uh, inspiration for my journals. And basically what I found is I couldn't find a journal that was like, um, the, the right mix for me. They were either what you described, which is blank journals. And it was like, share your thoughts. And that just never worked for me. Like I, I just, I'm not good at sitting down and just like sharing. Um, so that was one. The other ones were like a little too intense. They were like, all right, it's 8am, write down 10 goals for the day, check yeah. back in in three hours. And we're going to, we're going to measure your process and then come <laughs> back tonight and tell us what you learned about your day. And it was just like too prompted. Mm-hmm. So anyway, too, too prompted, too unprompted. And I, I wanted a way that was like that would give me guardrails to get things out of me and write them down. Um, but I also didn't want to be have my hand held the whole time. So I was like, I'm just going to develop my own. So that's what I did. Um, I think sometimes the best products come from your own need. Um, so I did. I developed my own my own journal, 60 days worth of prompts, um, and I use my own journal. It's, it's the weirdest thing. I sell my journal. I use my journal, um, and it's been really really great for me because it's like what I've discovered about journaling is it's gotta be iterative. It's gotta be almost annoyingly uh, c- consistent with the questions you ask yourself, the same question every day. So you can really understand what it is you're trying to hone in on. If you're constantly asking yourself different questions every day, you're going to lose focus. So mm-hmm. I design journals that have the same prompts every day, plus two or three unique prompts every day to dive into other aspects of your life. So that's been my, my journaling um, like creator process. And then personally I use it, almost every day um, combined with the right music coffee. I sit down and write my thoughts, answer these prompts. And it just, it feels really good. Even if I'm not coming up with like epiphanies every single day, it is, it is healing to get these things out and onto paper and just look at them. Like when, and I, I find a lot of times people always ask me case, like, why don't you sell digital versions of your journal? I'd love to use it on my Kindle or whatever. I'm like, I want to like feel my thoughts. I wish I could feel my thoughts. And like, this is the closest thing I can get to it like writing it, feeling it, feeling the pages, feeling the pen. And there's just something about that where it's like, even if you don't come up with these great, you know, ideas or, you know, under discoveries about yourself, you're getting it out of here and onto paper. And it just feels good. You're going through the process of being introspective. And to my point, I never used to be that way. And now I am. Uh, and I encourage other people to do it. And the number one question I'm always asking myself is why? Why, if I, if I'm, if I answer a prompt and the answer is I'm feeling anxious today, well, why that's a step I never used to take in my life ever. I would never ask myself why I'd be like, well, I'm anxious, la di da like that's the answer. But now I could break it down. So long answer, but it basically came from my past to recognizing 
that I, there wasn't a journalist that I found that could help me designing my own, helping other people and then using my own product, uh, which has been really exciting. And I'm releasing another one later in the year. That's almost 800 pages long. That's going to be really cool. Uh, it's, 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 I know it sounds like what, what the heck, but, um, it's going to be dope. <laughs> you, uh, mentioned that you didn't study like psychology, but a lot of this is, uh, like perfect for psych psychology type of work. You know, you're talking about, you're recognizing, like, uh, you're asking yourself a question and you're saying why that's kind of a self-awareness type thing. And then the next step is self-evaluation where you're like, why do I feel this way? And so I think it's cool that you've stumbled upon a lot of these things just through your own, uh, trial and error. What I've learned over the years is that <clears throat> if I'm left with too many options that I usually just choose the same thing. And a lot of times that's nothing. So having a prompt is really smart. And I like that you came to like, this is really fascinating to me because an anyone could just follow the exact same thing that you said and, and they can apply it to any form of business. But you mentioned uh, emotional triggers earlier, that being kind of the core competency of your business. And then you mentioned that you use emotional triggers to prompt you because you'll screenshot something that you uh, take exception to. You're like, no, it's bullshit. I'm going to comment on that. And you do a screen capture of it. I think that's... Uh, that's brilliant. And a lot of people can gain a lot from, uh, from, from some of those thoughts that you just said. I have a question about this though. So your thoughts come in and you kind of mentioned you wanted to like feel your thoughts. Um, I think that sometimes that could be a lot of weight. Uh, something I personally have worked on a lot is to interpret because we, we don't always control everything that we, we don't always control every thought that pops into our head but we're allowed to think about our thoughts. And then once you think about your thoughts and you process them, that's where we end up with our feelings. But you can, you can sort of, I guess, manipulate or control or interpret the things that you think about whatever way you'd like. And they don't have to be hurtful or harmful or do you, it sounds to me like you just kind of lean into that if it is hurtful or harmful or annoying. Yeah. I mean, you said it right there without saying it. It's like, it, it is a choice. Like you have a choice to how you react to your emotions. And like, this is the biggest thing. Like I talk to so many people and they're like, Case, you're so optimistic. Like, what's the deal? Like, it's gotta be fake, right? Like I'm the annoyingly optimistic guy with my friends. Like we can get a flat tire in the middle of nowhere and everyone's like, Oh my God, this is the worst thing ever. And I'll be like, no, it's all good. We'll be out of here in a little bit. Like people are like, shut up case. Like we get it. You're a glass <laughs> half full. Like it's, it is genuine to me. Cause I realized that when it comes to how you feel, you always have a choice of how you react to those things. And I talk to a lot of people and they're like, they're so down on themselves because they're like, I am anxious. I'm an overthinker. I'm a jealous person. I'm an insecure person, whatever. And I'm like, well, why do you, why do you say that? Why do you label yourself that? And they'll say, well, it's because I feel this way or that way. When I'm in public, I get this anxiety. When I'm home, I feel blah, 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 lost, whatever, feel behind, whatever. I'm like, okay. So those are feelings. Those aren't descriptions of who you are. Those are feelings. And as we all know, feelings are driven by time. They're, they're on a linear line and they're here and here and here and they're here. And they're anything but permanent. So I think I talked to a lot of people and it's like the objective with mindfulness or uh, self-awareness or trying to be a happier person isn't, is never to control your emotions. It's to control how you react to your emotions. So to your point, it's like, I very much believe that you should always feel what you need to feel. You should feel its weight. 
always. Like, I think I learned so much in, in my 20s to my point about whenever I would feel those things, I would immediately try to get rid of it. I've got to fight through this thing. If I'm feeling anxious, I can't feel anxious because I, I don't want to be an anxious person. So I would just throw it away. And there was never any self-examination in that. And you, you can't heal from what you don't feel. You can't overcome from what you refuse to feel. So I'm big on like feeling the weight of these things. Journaling is a great output of that. And then from there, you have this amazing human choice to decide what to do with that feeling. You could decide whether it defines you or you could decide whether it's just a point in time where you're feeling a certain way and you're going to move past it. And again, it takes a strong person to do that. It's easy for me to sit here and, and say that. And then someone with depression being like, case, that's ridiculous. And, and I empathize with people like that. Of course, I'm simply saying that of all the things in life where you don't have a choice, action-oriented outcomes, where it's other people, other variables, where you cannot control the results, the one thing in life you can always, always, always control, no matter how hard it might be, is how you decide to react to those feelings, what labels you decide to put on yourself from those feelings. And I think you'll quickly learn the power you have to make that decision if you decide to be with those feelings as opposed to sweeping them under the rug immediately. So like that's always been my take to like any negative feeling. It's like, you got to feel it, feel its weight, and then try to understand why you're feeling that. And then try to, to choose a more hopeful resolution or outcome or next step or whatever it may be that's going to help you personally overcome it or endure it, whatever it may be. You can't always overcome something. You can't overcome anxiety in a day, but you can endure it and you can find a more hopeful expectation of yourself. So yeah, it all goes hand to hand. I mean, journaling enables you to do that. Um, and you know, it's, it's funny. Uh, you said something a minute ago. It's like, I, I always say, obviously I'm not an expert and I, I do a lot of interviews and I do a lot of interviews with like therapists, like licensed therapists. <laughs> and I always get nervous cause I'm like, Oh shit, maybe they're going to call me out here. Like everything I'm saying is, is bullshit. Um, but it's always refreshing to hear that they're like, case, like you, you obviously didn't realize it, but what you just said is rooted in this and this and this and science and science and science. And I'm like, that's pretty cool. Not tooting my own horn, but the fact that this is all very intuitive, like, and everyone has the ability to do this. We just have to simplify how we approach um, reacting to ourselves as opposed to trying to fit ourselves in a certain mold, putting a certain label on us um, or coming to assumptions about ourselves that really aren't fair to who we are in this point in time. So yeah, I'm very passionate about that idea. And again, all comes down to self-awareness. What do you think about just reinterpreting whether something's negative or not? And, uh, handling it there rather than like, like this really pissed me off. Uh, so I'm not going to, you know, punch a hole in the wall <laughs> type of thing. Right. You, we do, we can control our reaction to it, but what if, uh, what if we just have a reinterpretation of how, like something can't make you mad. Something can't necessarily make you sad. Like what if we just reestablish that up front? Like people are going to die. There's going to be shit that happens in your life. That's going to be girls going to walk out on you. Like what are yeah. some of your thoughts on that part? Yeah, it's interesting, right? I mean, um, maybe for that question, it comes down to this idea. It's like sometimes we convince ourselves that, you know, everything happens for a reason. Like, yep, I'm going to be angry now. I'm going to be heartbroken now. I'm going to be X, Y, Z now. It happens for a reason. I don't have control. Like some people have that mentality. And um, I've never really jived with that, this idea that eh, everything happens for a reason. You're just floating in space and you're accepting randomness willy-nilly to you every single day. Um and I get that question a lot. Case, do you believe in, uh, you know, does everything happen for a reason? Um, and, and 
I think it's really powerful. I, I don't, I don't think everything happens for a reason, like um, philosophically, like, you know, you are preordained to fail here and be rejected here so that it could serve this larger purpose that was established for you by some greater universal good, whatever. And I, I don't believe in that. Um, but I do think that when things happen, bullshit happens, things that make you instantly angry, rejected, insecure, whatever in that moment, they very suddenly gain a reason for happening. And that is always purpose. Like anything that happens to you, if you're vulnerable enough to examine it, you'll realize that it's giving you some kind of new refreshed purpose. Like always, like I always, I think about being broken up with, like in that moment, I was like, this really sucks. Was this really supposed to happen? Well, in the moment that it happened, yeah, because it gave me this amazing ability to discover myself, my passion, my company, everything. And then I could look at, at anything, previous jobs that weren't fulfilling. This sucks. You, I can come to a conclusion, man, I am just going to be a worker bee at this company and hate my life. It's going to be, you know, funky tie Tuesdays and <laughs> hanging out with Greg from accounts receivable and hating my life and just like bullshit. Right. And or you could be like, this frustration is giving me purpose. And that purpose is to uh, find something that lights my soul on fire, that gives me more purpose in my entrepreneurial career, whatever. It requires you going deeper for sure. But I genuinely believe that, you know, when something bad happens to you in your life, in that instant, in that blink of an eye, it gains a reason for happening. And that reason is, in my mind, is always purpose. You just have to be vulnerable enough to realize that purpose, to find something new, to reevaluate yourself, to move cities, to invest in your health, whatever it may be. I think you could always find that. And I think if you're looking for it, you will. And you can choose that over whatever negative emotion you think you're going to fall into. So, um, yeah, again, and that's a choice as well. And it's easy for me to say, just do that. But you have to train yourself to do that. You talk about the 10,000 hour rule. I feel like I've trained myself at least 10,000 hours to train myself to make more positive assumptions and choices about what I assume about myself. Um, and, it, and it's worked. Again, I'm just happier this way. And not like delusionally happy, like uh, like, sli- like joker, smile, laugh kind of vibes. It's, it's, it's genuine. Um, and, I, and I talk a lot about that. So hopefully that answers your question. You know, you mentioned that when you were younger in your early twenties that you would like, you know, you were very also aware that you you'd feel certain things, but then you just kind of like, yeah, you know what I mean? Um, and you said yeah. you kind of made a switch with that, but then, you know, you, you also just mentioned that like a lot of this stuff is kind of intuitive for you. So what I'm kind of wondering is like, if in the past you, you know, you, you definitely weren't this way. How is it that you're so intuitive about this now? Like, and you all like, you don't do any type of studying on the stuff or whatever. You just you know, I, I, from my assumptions, like you, you think about it, you write about it, then you talk about it, but it's also intuitive. So how does, is that process for you now? If that wasn't how you were in the past? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good question. I think honestly, uh, hate to say it, but it's a choice. I mean, I think oh. we all have these latent abilities that we oftentimes just ignore in favor of other labels. I mean, I think um, I think a lot about like these these topics of like how we evolve and transform as humans. It's not like I you wake up one day and you all of a sudden gained a skill overnight. Is that you made a decision to uncover it overnight? And I think a lot about like strength. Right? I feel like a very strong, centered human now. Did not feel that way in my twenties. And I think I think a lot of that is like the way that you decide to define yourself. I think in my 20s, I would define myself as case, kind of lost, not a lot of confidence, 
no purpose, um, overthinker, whatever. And I would literally define that myself that way. But I think what I've evolved to do is be like, like we all have good traits and bad traits, ugly traits and great traits. And I think we're aware of those, but far too often we allow ourselves to be defined by the ugly ones. To my point in my twenties, if I were to sit down and do a journal exercise, I would probably be like, I, you know, I'm impatient. I'm jealous. I'm shy. I'm not confident. I'm lost, whatever. And while those things are all true, I was all those things. There was always an opportunity for me to be like, amidst all of those ugly traits, I still have this one great trait. And I think that is the measure of strength. And that's something I've really tapped into. All those things I just mentioned, I'm still, I still have those things. I'm still very impatient. Um, sometimes I feel unsure about myself. I have this like interesting ego shyness complex. Like I, I still feel like I have some things to prove because I, I, I don't know. I feel like maybe previously in my life, I wasn't recognized. I was overlooked. I have a little bit of complex about success and money. I still have those things. And though I would call those, those ugly traits, insecure traits, but I don't, I no longer choose to define myself by them. I choose to define myself by my great traits, which would be my, my skills, my empathy, my creativity, things that I'm really proud of. And those are the ones that I define myself with. I'm not ignoring the other ones, but it's, it's, I'm refusing to define myself by the ugly ones. I recognize them. I'm working on them. But as far as uh, who I am, I define myself by my great traits. And I encourage other people to do the same, even if it's just one. And even if it's like not like an amazing headline-worthy Forbes article about you, it's literally just like, I am a compassionate person. That is a great trait. You're a compassionate person all the while having these ugly traits. And I think like that kind of transformation for me, defining myself by my strengths as opposed to by the things that are kind of holding me back, it's really just given me a sense of like momentum to lean into those things as opposed to allowing the, you know, the humanness weigh me down. Everyone's got bullshit that they need to deal with. No one's perfect ever, 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 ever. And I think the temptation is to allow yourself internally, not on paper necessarily, but internally in your heart, in your head to divine yourself by the things that are holding you back. But I think we all have at least one great trait that we can lean into, latch onto, allow that to define us in the immediate so you can get some momentum. I think that's all, I, all I've done is just gave myself that, like, that push to, to, to lean into the better aspects of myself. And it's worked. I mean, it's not like a fake it till you make it type vibe. It's like, I, I mean, I just genuinely like, if I looked at myself in my 20, I was not confident. It was like fake confidence. But like now I, I truly feel confident. And I talk a lot about this. I talk about the power of ego, like the good ego. I'm a big fan of Ryan Holiday and I've, I've read Ego is the Enemy. And I think that's a great, fantastic read. Um, and I think a lot of times uh, there's two sides to ego. And I think a lot of times people talk about, you know, the bad side of the ego. And that, of course, is the ego that makes you think that you're better than other people. Mm-hmm. That makes you think that you don't need to learn anything because you know everything and that you're this amazing person. I talk a lot about the power of your good ego and the good ego says that no matter what happens, you'll be able to handle it. And that's been, that's where my confidence has come from. That's where like my 180 has come from. It's like, I'm not the best. I'm not the most amazing. I'm not the best looking. I'm not the most talented, but I'm not afraid of putting things out there and leaning into the things that I'm proud of because whatever happens, happens. And I let that ego drive me. Like I I did an episode once where I, I called it, um, uh, confidence like Kanye or something like that. And hmm. like, people really like that, but it's like, I think everyone should have a little <clears throat> swag to them, like a little like screaming confidence and not because they're better than everyone or annoying, but just they can handle what comes next. And I think that starts with redefining how, how you define strength. 
as it coming from your good traits and then just leaning into it and almost making them hyperbole in your life. Um, because it really does open some interesting doors as far as how you define yourself. Yeah. I think things like confidence are things that are, um, they come from all the same places everything else comes from. And a lot of things you're mentioning today, like I, I just have this firm belief that everything that we need is within us. That's how you've been able to kind of sit down and, and uh, reevaluate yourself to come up with a lot better answers. And when it comes to, uh, you know, something like confidence, you make it up. Uh, you need to make up stuff for yourself to do so that while you're doing it, you start to feel like you can handle doing more things. Cause you're like, well, I set out to do that thing. I just fucking did it. That's proof that I can do it. And I've heard you talk about this on other podcasts, like just cleaning up and just throwing out some like uh, soda cans or beer cans or whatever it is that is in your apartment or house or whatever. Uh, picking up your socks, like just little stuff. You don't have to be, uh, you know, crazy diligent. You don't have to be the neatest person in the world, but just, uh, you know, putting things back, uh, you know, where you got them from. Or some people like to even leave things better off than they were when they first got there. You know, so a little, little cleaning, little tidying up, things like that, where you tell yourself that you're going to do something and then you actually follow through and do it. Can you expand on that a little bit more? Yeah. Yeah. It's such a little thing, right? I mean, so yeah, I think confidence comes from being proud of yourself. And how do you get to be proud of yourself? Well, you're proud of yourself when you say you're going to do something and then you do it. And it doesn't, you know, it's not like you need to be like, I'm going to cure cancer. And then you cure cancer. It's I'm going to do the dishes and then you do the dishes. Little things like that really do add up because I think we, we, we overthink, we doubt ourselves a lot because we sit and we stew in every single thought that we've had. And we're very aware of all the things that we know we should do, all the things we say we will do. And then we're acutely aware of the fact that we haven't done them. And that kind of eats at us. We like we start to feel like an imposter, a hypocrite, like we're leaving potential on the table, all those things. Um, and that's fair. I think we should be motivated by the thing, the bullshit that we we say and do. Um, but I think little things like that, cleaning up, doing the dishes, doing your laundry, working out when you don't want to, like those are little things that you, you should be proud of. And it adds up. It really does like enhance your psyche. Um, and then like on on the realm of like, um, confidence and being proud of yourself and all these things. Like I talk, I always give like silly little analogies and um, I grew up in, in Virginia and I don't know if it's a Virginia thing, but like I used to go to like fairs and like carnivals a lot when I was little or something. So you'd always get like um, uh, tickets or coupons or whatever. And then you get them enough through playing games, you could redeem them for a prize or whatever. Right. Um, and I always think about the same thing when it comes to like confidence or disappointment or awkwardness. I've done episodes on this. I call them awkward points. That the more you could push yourself to be awkward, every time you get a you get a point, and eventually you catch those points in for confidence because you realize that awkwardness is nothing. It's literally just a temporary feeling. And the more that you can embrace that, you get all these tickets. You you literally cash them in for the learning that confidence comes from the moments where you throw you know judgment to the wind and you do whatever because you're not scared of what result might come. Confidence. Same with like. Um, disappointment, like disappointing other people. I talk a lot about this, that I really think it's essential to disappoint other people in life. I think, you know, the, what do the kids say? Like, show me the receipts or whatever, like show me the proof, like show me the proof in life that you're growing. It's, it's a tough question, right? You show them your bank account. You could show them, I don't know. How do you, how do you measure confidence? How do you measure self-growth? Uh, it's tough, but I think the number one way to prove that you're growing in life is Tell me about a couple, couple times you disappointed people. 
and not disappointed people in the sense that you told them you were available for dinner on Friday and then no showed or like bullshit like that. Mm. I'm talking about people who expected one thing of you, expected you to be a certain way. And then you said, no, I'm going to be this way. Someone who expected you to be on their level, but you decided that you were a level above them or on a completely different plane. And I call those disappointment points, like receipts, like I I think it's very essential that you disappoint some people at some point in your life, not in a savage way, not an I'm better than you way, but in a simple way that's indicative that your expectations for yourself have evolved alongside of your age and your transition in life. And what greater proof do you have of you respecting your growth than disappointing some people, than saying yes, than saying no when they expect yes, or even yes when they expect no, whatever, like those are the, like the receipts that you need in life and it's painful and it's awkward and you could feel like you're throwing away good opportunities. But I, I genuinely think that like, those are the moments that you're going to be proud of looking back. That's proof that you're embracing who, you know, you're capable of becoming what you need to do to get to who you want to become and so on and so forth. So, um, you know, sometimes that helps people. It's like transactional, almost like awkward, awkward point, disappointment, mm-hmm. disappointment point, but it's serving a greater good. Um, So I I like to think of things in those terms sometimes. Did you ever used to be a people pleaser or nah? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because, because I I didn't really have confidence. So I I got it in the form of, you know, validating myself through saying yes. Okay. Um, I was also curious about, I wanted to kind of reiterate something that you said earlier that I think was like super strong. You said it kind of quick and you, you went into the point, but it's like, when you think something about yourself or you, you can make a choice, like your choice about being intuitive. I thought that was, that was awesome because like I used to tell myself, or I used to think I wasn't a creative individual and I used to think I was really rigid because of like what certain people would say about me and what I would think about myself. So I was like, almost took pride in my rigidity about certain things. But at a certain point, it's like, I kind of dropped that and it, it wasn't a purposeful choice. I just started having to do more creative things at a certain point. So I was like, okay, fuck it. I got to be creative. And I was just like, eh, this rigid thing. Like, I don't necessarily like that idea about myself. So I just kind of switched it and it was like a switch. Right. So I think a lot of people, they have this self-talk and we talk a lot about like what you tell yourself and what you talk to yourself about on this podcast. Um, and if you can change your self-talk about yourself, like maybe it's not going to be immediate, but you'll slowly be able to transform into a very different type of individual or even change aspects about your personality that you think you think are weaknesses or that you don't really like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, self-talk is everything. I think everyone has different preferences for self-talk. Like for me, I, it's weird. I re I react well to like motivating self-talk, like, come on case, don't be a little bitch. Like, let's do this. Like, Mm -hmm. that's just me. And I know not everyone responds well to that. So like I encourage people to to evaluate and decide what's best for them i mean it's like i i think a lot of time it's like i liken it to if you're dating someone and you're you're thinking about your relationship with them and what you want to do the question i always encourage people to ask is how does that person make you feel is is your interaction with that person bringing out your best qualities or your worst qualities it's a great question right park that there but then you ask yourself that same question about how your internal dialogue makes you react is the way that you talk to yourself, bringing out your best qualities or your worst qualities, likely your worst qualities, right? Is the way you talk to yourself making you more anxious or less anxious, probably more anxious. So I don't have a blueprint for how to solve that. Of course, it's going to be a choice and it's going to be discipline and it's going to come from a place of vulnerable self-awareness. But I think again, 
to the way that we started our conversation, we don't take the time to evaluate that in the first place. That, oh, shit, I'm making things way worse for myself because I'm continuing to bring out my worst qualities in the way that I talk to myself. Um, And it's not a helpful thing for me to be like, just be kind to yourself, love yourself. Like, that's not helpful. But there, there is truth in that. Like, sometimes you literally just need to continue to tell yourself that. And then do it and do it and do it. Like to your point, sometimes you just need to create, like you just need, you tell yourself what to do because you know, it's what you should do. And then you need to sit your ass down and do it. Like, that's why it's like this idea of self-love, right? Everyone loves to talk about self-love. It's like, yeah, but self-love, sometimes you got to get real with yourself and you got to get tough with yourself and you need to look yourself in the mirror and rally yourself up. And, you know, it's not all tenderness and, and grace. Sometimes it needs to be a little bit dirty, a little bit violent, a little bit aggressive. And then sometimes that's, that's how you find yourself. You can't coddle yourself all day. You know, I think you should be extremely compassionate and vulnerable with yourself, but sometimes you need to kickstart that. Sometimes you need a aggressive catalyst, uh, to do that. And everyone's different. And it's, it's so funny. It's talking to you guys. It's like most of my audience is women and most of the podcast interviews I do are with women. So I'm like, not that, you know, I don't like to make generalizations about men and women and men respond to this and women respond to this. Like, I don't want to make those generalizations, but it's always interesting talking with women and kind of their expectations for how they talk to themselves versus a guy who sometimes it's like, you just need to, you know, slap yourself and, and move on. Um, so it's just, it's just an interesting anecdote. I hear you kind of over and over again, kind of mentioning something very similar each time. And it's this idea of like just correcting errors, you know, like we, we pointed out in the very beginning about um, the, uh, the triggers of emotion and then how you were like, let me see, figure out ways of solving this problem. And then you um, identified some of the errors that people have in that. And then you looked at uh, some quotes that were online that you disagreed with. And it just seems like, kind of time and time again that you keep ending up in the same spot of, you know, this error identification and error correction and creativity comes from that as well. And so when somebody says, when someone says, I can't be creative, uh, it's very simple of showing them examples of them finding errors with, with certain things. I mean, you could show someone a picture and say, you know, there's those tests of like, do you see anything missing from this photo? You know, there's three soda cans in one, there's two in another or whatever. And people can very easily identify errors. They can identify, uh, you know, what's what's wrong in a particular situation. And once you, maybe you don't always come up with the best idea, you know, right away, but you come up with an idea, which that's a form of creativity. And then you work on getting a better, getting a better idea. And it takes a lot of practice. And then over time you build that confidence and then you feel like a creative person. And the next thing you know, you think you're full of amazing ideas and every idea that you say, you think is going to be fucking awesome. And then you tell some friends and you're all pumped up about it. And they're like, eh, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of how like you get that. Moment. Now I think every idea I have is great. Yeah. <laughs> but, that's, that's uh, didn't how it happens, used right? to be that way. But, um, but yeah, I mean, so I, I love that. I and mean, I think it's so true. And again, I've, I feel like I always repeat myself, but again, I think it's helpful. I mean, everything you just referenced is questioning, questioning what you know, questioning yourself. And I have this little soundbite that I always talk about because to me, it's been like life changing. And uh, it's, it's the following. It's that in life, there, there's no right way to live life. But there is a wrong way. And the wrong way is to think that there's a right way. Uh, it's cheesy. It's cliche. It is what it is. But I, I live by that because I used to think that there was a right way, that someone who was creative, they had the blueprint for creativity, and I needed to figure out what it was, that that happy 
couple over there. They had the blueprint for romance and I need to figure out what it was. That dude over there who's been single for three years and is popping bottles at the club and is confident. I need to figure out his blueprint for being single. Right way, right way, right way. And that is just not a healthy mindset. For one, it puts you in a corner and, and really limits your creativity. But two, it also makes you constantly think that you're falling behind, that you don't have the right way, that they're successful, they have the right way, they're the happy people, and I need to follow them. And it really is debilitating in the, in the sense that it, it makes you overthink and it makes you doubt yourself. And I used to, I if I, five years ago, if I was like, I'm going to make a living from sharing my feelings on the internet, podcast, Instagram, journaling. I would have laughed at myself. I was like, first of all, there's no market for that. Second of all, no one cares. Third of all, Casey, you don't have the personality, the charisma to do it. Be gone. (laughs) I would have laughed at that because there's a right way to be a professional podcaster. There's a right way to be an author. You need to get a publishing house deal and you need to do this, that, and the other. And I've I've torn down that wall completely. I I have a one-person team. I've sold millions of dollars of a silly journal I invented in my my living room in Chicago. Millions of people listen to the podcast. Again, this sounds very boastful. I'm just adding anecdotes, but I've proven this to be so wrong. And then I look at like the way that I used to think to be single when I, uh, 29, I've been single from 29 to 33. I used to think that being single meant you got to go to the club. You got to do this, that, and the other. When I spent so much money getting bottles at the clubs in here in Chicago and it was fun. I still like going to the club, I suppose. But I used to think that that was the right way to be single because I saw the confident guys do that. That's the way to be single. That's the way that you show that you're confident and you're the man and whatever. That's the right way. And then same when I was in relationships in my 20s. Well, yeah, this is the way you're supposed to be in a relationship. This is what you're supposed to do. And I just realized that that's not true. All of these things are truths that you discover about yourself. I mean, to your point about you know being creative, it's like you've got to discover these truths on your own. And I talk a lot about um, dating and some of the, the issues that I see with myself and other people. And, and it comes down to we're constantly borrowing truths from other people other people's assumptions, other people's expectation of how to date, who to date, why to date. And I think a lot of them are valid, of course. Um, but I think a lot of them aren't true for you. Like I always give the silly example of some people are like, if he doesn't call me his woman crush Wednesday, then that means he doesn't love me. Not validated. And another woman's going to be like, that's the silliest thing I've ever heard, Becky. What are you talking about? Becky. And like, that just shows the, like, the, the, the difference between expectation and your truth. And you've got to discover those for yourself, both in dating. Why are you dating? What do you want? How do you want to be treated? What is the expectation for how your relationship journey should progress versus someone else? And same in business and life and confidence and like any, any, area in life that you could think of, you've really got to push yourself to discover that for yourself. And to your point, it starts with questioning what you know, or the assumptions that you hold to be true. Man, uh, in terms of like other people's expectations, like, you know, within, uh, well, I guess this is probably everybody, but within like, um, my culture, like, you know, you should be married by a certain point, like, you know, 24, 23, maybe all that type of stuff. Um, and if if I was following the expectations of certain people in my life, right. I'd be married to an individual that I would not be, that that would be horrible. I know a lot of people who've put themselves in those situations because they were doing things based off of the expectations of their parents, their aunts, their uncles, family, et cetera. Um, And that's a very tough place for some people to be. Uh, But like what, what I was curious is like, did you ever have a timeline for yourself? Cause I remember when I was like 18, I was like, I 18, start dating, figure out somebody two years, 
pop a ring on that. A few, three, three, four years after that, pop a kid out. Another year after that, pop a kid out. Like I had this, I had this detailed idea of where I thought everything was going to go. And I forgot where it was when I was just like, nah, this is stupid. But did you ever have that type of timeline for yourself? And then also, when did you, I don't know if your parents had expectations for you or whatever, but when did you kind of stop caring about those types of expectations or not necessarily stop caring about it, but stop putting as much weight behind its importance? Yeah. Uh, man, I get, I feel like when I was 18, 19, 20, I was a child. I was an absolute child. Yeah. Like is, I, I definitely feel like I was a late bloomer. <laughs> Just the yeah. anecdote there. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think in my twenties, I always had expectations for myself. I remember being super bummed that this random ego driven thing. I was like, Oh shit, I'm not, th- I can't be Forbes 30 under 30 anymore because I'm 30 now. Mm-hmm. Like, and I was like, I need to be like this is my measure of success. Like on the success, financial success, entrepreneurial success route, I'm like, that's going to be the measure of it. Something there. Um, so yeah, I always had, you know, vague expectations for myself like that. And then um, my parents have never been the, the pressure type uh, at all. But like, I understand people there very, very, very much. Like the, the pressure is unreal. Um, more so for, for women, particularly within dating and relationships, but it, it's unreal for, for everyone. I always used to have those expectations, but I think about dating specifically. I think about people who bemoan the fact that they're still single when they're 25 or even 35 or even 45 or whatever it might be. And they, they start to make these um, like, uh, well, for one, I'm proud of the, the people for not making rash decisions of, you know, committing to someone just to, to have that relationship. But I always like, I always consider things on like a linear line and you're here and you're feeling these things, you're feeling this pressure, you're feeling lost or like you're a disappointment because you're not filling these expectations that either you set for yourself, society set for you, or your parents set for you. And then I, I try to fast forward 10 years and look back. And particularly when it comes to like dating and relationships, I find it very unlikely that you would ever look back and say, I regret being single in my 20s or even my 30s. I think it's much more likely that you'll say, I regret being in that toxic relationship for too long in my 20s. I regret staying with that person for too long in my 20s. Like you're going to regret the things that you decided to do out of pressure versus the the natural state of who you should be at that moment, which might be single. And I talk to anyone. I talk to my grandparents. I talk to older generations. And I, I ask them, like, what do you regret in your 20s or 30s? No one ever says mm-hmm. single. I regret being single for too long. Mm-hmm. I've never heard anyone say that. I think in In the moment, it's very easy to be like, I'm lonely. I'm lonely, I'm lonely, I'm lonely. I'm falling behind. Everyone else has a partner. I should have a partner. My parents had kids by this time. I'm not even dating anyone. Like, very easy in the moment to say that. But to me, it's really liberating. It's like your spirit removes from your body. You transform 10 years later and you look back and you were like, am I going to regret being single? I think a sense of vulnerability, you're going to be like, no, man. I'd regret being with the wrong person. I'd regret proposing to this woman because I'm feeling pressure and then being with her and then hating my life. Like those are things you're going to regret. So time, of course, is the great time and health are the greatest assets you ever have, but there's a lot of time. And, and I think sometimes we, we don't recognize that and we should make every moment last. Of course, we shouldn't kick the can down the road, but if, if you're making yourself miserable and you're constantly reinforcing this narrative that you're falling behind, particularly in regards to the committed relationship, I think it's a helpful exercise just to remind yourself that you're not going to regret being single for one. I mean, you're going to be married. Let's say you get married when you're 35, something like that. 
you're going to hopefully, ideally, be married for the rest of your life. It's mm-hmm. a long time to be married. You're never going to be single again. So now's an amazing opportunity to be selfish and do all the great single things you could think of. But it's just a helpful exercise to get you out of this guardrailed expectation zone and put you in a zone where you're a little bit more forgiving and understanding of yourself to understanding regret. Regret's a powerful motivator. Like that's my biggest motivator. I want to minimize regret in my life. Mm. And I look at being single. I'm 33, single people, myself, expectations. I'm like, I'm, I'm incapable of regretting this. Yeah. I want to find someone, but I'm not going to make the wrong decision to do that. And that's because I do this exercise of, of going forward to look back. So that's just kind of how I rationalize that. Why is being single a superpower? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I, I think it's, for one, it's all the cliches you could think of. Being single is an amazing time to get to know yourself, to travel, to invest in hobbies and yourself and your health and, and, and your wealth and all those great things. Um, so that stands the test of time. And I'll, I'll, I'll live and die on that, of that statement. I have grown so much uh, as, a, as a man, as a creator, as an entrepreneur, just by having time. <laughs> Literally being single, you've got all the time in the world. You can do whatever you want. You can be selfish and not feel bad about it. When you're in a relationship, you can't. Like you shouldn't, you should have responsibilities and you need to, you can't, you know, hoard all that energy. So for one, I, I think that in, in effect is a superpower, 100%. Um, but two, I mean, to everything that we've been talking about, it's when you're single that you discover what's true for you, right? All these things that we've been talking about, what's true for you? What do you want a partner? Why are you dating? Who are you? What is your purpose? Why are you doing the things you're doing? Your truths, not other people's truths your truths, not other people's borrowed truths. And that's, you decide those when you're single, like, like being in a relationship is fantastic. And it gives you all kinds of complimentary growth. Like you can grow very powerfully with a partner. Like I grew a lot when I was with, um, you know, women that I dated in my twenties, but it's very different from growth when you're alone. And that's when you truly decide what you want, what's right for you and so on and so forth. Your truths, not their truth. So I can't think of a better word to describe a temporary state in your life other than superpower, superpower in the sense that you could do whatever you want, invest in whatever you want, grow however you want. And most importantly, decide what you stand for, what is true to you. And a lot of times, I mean, frankly, that's something that people don't take the time to do. I mean, I never want to bemoan other people, but there's a lot of people living that don't really have, you know, values that they created. There's like, I'll take a little of that and take a little of that. And you said that, okay, that's, that's my MO now. It's like the most power, like impactful people that I know in life people that are truly living passions or people that are changing the world. These are people who took time to discover these things for themselves. They didn't just read a book and were like, Oh, that sounds good. I'm just going to borrow that or look on the internet and be like, Oh, that person looks really happy. I'm going to be like that person. It's like they went out and did it themselves and they threw to the curb any, uh, you know, stigma around being single around, you know, they're, they're falling behind or there's something wrong with them. They're like, hell no, there's nothing wrong with me. Like I'm going to prove that. So um, yeah, it's a mindset, it's a lifestyle, and it's a temporary phase in your life. But it's, in my mind, one of the most powerful and transformative opportunities you have. Are there from some uh, exes from your past that are like, case, big dick energy? Like, seriously, bro? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's I mean, a little bit I mean, of a stretch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm telling the, the woman that I used to date, I'm very different now. So, I mean, uh, I'm not, I, I've never really been like friends with your exes kind of vibe. I mean, yeah. I'd be interested if they ever listen to my podcast, what they think. Oh, like, they do. <laughs> you know, they do. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're screen the capturing big yeah. dick energy and sending it to each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're on the group chat for sure. <laughs> 
what what is big dick energy about uh yeah <laughs> Man, i did an episode a long time ago about it it's so funny i like often forget about what i talk about um i think <laughs> oh yeah well okay i think it's two things for one um i've been saying for a long time that you know there's always this vibe that i used to have when i like proverbially walk into a room I used to walk into a room and hope that everyone likes me right cliche to say but then the transformation to big dick energy is now you walk in a room and wonder if you're going to like them it's a simple role reversal of being okay in your own skin. Mm. Oh, are they going to like me? Oh, they need to like me versus am I going to like them? What do they have to offer? Not in like a selfish, mm. they need to prove their worth to me, but it's like, you don't always have to be proving things to other people. Take a step back and see what, um, you know, vibes with you. So that, that's half of it. And then I think the other half is what I was referencing earlier, like the power of your good ego. Like that is what gives you big dick energy that, you know, we all have those friends who like, we're willing to do anything, you know, be awkward, make fun of themselves, go up to anyone at a bar or whatever. Mm. Like they're like, sometimes people expect me to be like, big dick energy is a compassion, compassionate radiance of your inner true self. I'm like, no, sometimes <laughs> big dick energy is just willing to be awkward and it's willing to be rejected. Like that's all it is. It's just funny. I always like, I'm in the self-help world. I'm like, I don't understand some of the things people talk. People talk about like your, your, you know, your frequencies and your chakras and things like that. And I respect that. And it's very real. Of course, I just don't understand it uh, sometimes. Uh, so yeah, I, th- I think all it is, is it's a combination of flipping the script on proving and validating your, yourself to someone else versus mm-hmm. flipping it and expecting uh, in the reverse order combined with the power of your healthy ego, which simply says that no matter what, no matter what I do, what I say, as long as it's coming from a place of respect and intention, I can handle whatever comes next. And I'm cool with that because I'm going to get an awkward point. I'm going to get a disappointment point. And now we know what those go towards and it's going to be fantastic. And as a result, I'm cool. I'm confident. You know, I know, I know what I have to offer or I'm, I'm cool with continuing to discover what I have to offer. And that's always going to serve me well. So some kind of combination of those two definitions there. <laughs> it's not a, not great to like compare ourselves to other people, but like who are people that you kind of look up to where you're like, I really like the way this dude's doing things. I really like the way some of these people are kind of living their lives. You have some people like that that you emulate that are other writers or uh, other people that are maybe in your space that are inspirational to you. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I, it, people often think I'm a bit of a hypocrite because I really don't listen to podcasts. I really try to stay away from like self, self-help writing. Um, and I do that for a couple of reasons. Again, I'm very stubborn about some things, but for one, it's like, I never want to be an influencer for one. I hate that word, but I never want to be an influencer quotes there um, who is just borrowing other people's ideas and regurgitating them as my own. I'm sure I do that. It's impossible to have completely original ideas, but I, I, I genuinely want to have original lines of thinking that come from my own experience. And I feel a lot of the times um, really leaning into other people's content um, subconsciously prevents that. Mm. Um, but with that being said, I mean, I'm, I'm very inspired by, you know, um, a lot of the top podcasters. I'm also like inspired by like parallel uh, industries, like not necessarily the, the you know pub- publishing. Like I'm very into music production. Like and I like um, it's so like one of my idols in music is Armin Van Buren, big DJ, number one DJ in the world. Um, I used to idolize this guy. Mm-hmm. Like I listen to every music. I go to every concert in Chicago. I fly to go to every concert that he put on. This guy was so amazing. He would create this emotion with his music. He was so charismatic, so creative, such a nice guy. And then 
when I had started to get my success on my podcast, I had him on my podcast. I met him here in person and we hang, hung out for two hours and he took out his phone and was like, Hey, do you mind if I take a selfie with you? And it was just like this transformative thing. I was like, this is, this is insane. Um, I don't know why I mentioned that, but very inspired by artists and musicians and folks like Armin, anyone who's just like really leaning into their, their passion um, and their creative skill set, and doing it in, in a bit of a different different way mm. so uh but then i'm also like very inspired by the randomness of the internet i spend a lot of time on reddit like there's so many like dope regular people sharing amazing perspectives in, in a way that they never expect millions of people to read it they're just sharing it uh and I, like that's the realness that i i love in life not people who are professional life coaches no disrespect to them not people who are professional public speakers or motivational speakers or anything like that. It's just regular people who have regular perspectives, but that are super helpful for other people. I always say my objective in life is to remind people that they're never alone in whatever they're going through. sounds like a very noble goal, I suppose, but it really is true. And we don't oftentimes take the time to realize that you hop on something like Reddit, you realize that Anything that you're going through, someone's gone through it. Someone's yeah. going through it. Someone will go through it. And it's just powerful. And I, and I like those kinds of people who are willing to share that and share how they overcome it, uh, over, are overcoming it, will overcome it, have overcome it. Like that is the kind of stuff that inspires me. Um, I was curious, like, you know, you kind of you alluded to it a little bit. You spent a lot of time on some Reddit. Um, what does your consumption of like, I guess, content and stuff look like? Because, you know, a lot of people watch a lot of YouTube videos, watch a lot of Netflix shows, et cetera, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But what does your general consumption of stuff look like? Because obviously you're very productive with what you do. You've been very successful with what you do. Um, so w- we had an episode where we talked about guarding your inputs, so, right? Guarding the things that you pay attention to. Because, I mean, inevitably, like if you're paying attention to a lot of negative things, things that make you feel bad, it's going to affect your mood, it's going to affect your decision-making, et cetera. So for you, what does that kind of look like? Yeah, uh, I was real quick on the Reddit note. I was thinking about uh, there's a, a sub. So Reddit's divided into subreddits, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Based on on topic. There's a subreddit called Roast Me, uh-huh. where you post a picture of yourself and they just rip you apart, right? That's it's the great. internet. So anonymous, cruel. So like a year ago, I was like, I want to prove that I have thick skin. I want to prove that anyone could say what they want about me and I'll be fine. So I did it. You take a selfie, you write roast me on a piece of paper, and then people just try to annihilate you. Yeah. Uh, and I did it. And people were super mean. Um, it was really funny. I'm, I, I'm thinking about doing it again because now I got a lot more following and I, I think it would be pretty funny. But yeah. uh, I don't know. I just, that was like, it's like a masochistic exercise, but like it was, it was pretty, pretty funny to me. Um, but uh, I learned a lot through that. But that was, that was Reddit. Um, to answer your question, uh, I spent a lot of time on YouTube, <laughs> like uh, everything. Right now, I'm really into watching um, like high school baseball prospects random random so random absolutely random and it sounds weird i just like i'm really inspired by random things on the internet people doing cool things at an early age at an old age whatever um so i i don't know it's just like to me it's just like uh really relaxing to just like watch a video on youtube and then just keep watching the suggested videos until i'm down a rabbit hole and uh we're on the other side so spend a lot of time on reddit i really don't watch a whole lot of tv i mean i'll watch whatever the the popular netflix show is Mm -hmm. um but otherwise, I mean, like my MO is very music driven. Like, I don't think I've ever done anything creatively worth sharing without music, without the right music. And again, for me, it's like house music, not necessarily like banger house music always, but just like the right house music. Mm-hmm. 
progressive house music, uh, maybe some trance, something like that. Um, but that always just puts me in the right headspace. It puts me in the creative headspace, 100%. Um, so uh, I do I do that uh, a lot. But yeah, I mean, that that's it. I mean, I do spend a lot of time creating very, I feel like I'm always creating something. And um, now that I'm bigger, gratefully, it's like there's a bit of pressure to create. So it's kind of a different vibe now, yeah. uh, particularly coming out with a podcast twice a week. How do I always come up with topics? And so I'm always, the lens through which I'm looking at tv or netflix or youtube it's like i'm looking for inspiration so it's a very different attitude very lean forward i want to be inspired inspire me inspire me versus before just kind of watching for entertainment um it's it's a it's a different it's a different vibe for sure but but i enjoy it it's like i always have purpose in any moment like it's really it's really cool to me like i'm living my purpose i can go out for drinks with my guys and like oh shit dude that was really well well said i'm gonna write that down i might want to talk about that like it's not distracting (laughs) from mm-hmm. anything but it's it's just very purpose-driven so like I'm, i feel like i'm always living that purpose which to me feels really good because whereas before i felt like i was kind of adrift and didn't really have um uh like a, a north star or just anything to do or create and now it's like i always have my ears up for something to kind of put in my heart and then come up with my my own take on it mm. being someone that is in the self-help space uh what's a major concern of yours that you might be seeing from uh, some of the people that are looking for help. Oh yeah. I don't, I don't, I feel like I haven't made up my mind yet there. Um, like I, I feel like I, like I get emails and DMS all the time. People asking me for me to be like their, their coach, or whatever, like I'll pay you whatever every month. I just, I need guidance. And I just like, I don't know. I, I'm just not, I'm not there yet with thinking that I, that that would be right for someone to pay me money to help them. I just feel like the incentives aren't necessarily aligned there. Like, the second you start doing something for money, it just, it just changes things. So like, that's my biggest concern for myself. I'm sure there are life coaches out there who do it right for the right reasons and have really figured out the model. I just don't have the perspective to say that. Um, I think, I think other than that, like, I think the, sometimes the self-help industry can be a bit too savage. Um, like in, in quotes, they're like, I'm like, if you can't tell, like I'm very passionate about this. And sometimes I'm like, you deserve better. And that's all you need to know. And everything should guide that. But there's also a lot of self-help that kind of pits people against each other, that it's Mm -hmm. other people against them. It's the world against them and that you need to stay strong and the world's going to try to beat you up and you need to stay strong. And yeah, of course, I mean, what the Buddhist saying is life is suffering or whatever. And I, I think that's true, but I, that shouldn't be the hallmark for your transformation is you against the world, randomness against you, luck against you. Um, I'm like, there was this quote that I went off on the other day that was like, the quote was from first person view that was like, um, I only match energy. What's given to me, I give back. Mm. And I just hate that because that, like you're in that case, it's like you're asking for permission to be your best, most compassionate self. You're waiting. You're someone needs to be kind to you for you to be kind back to them. Like, I, I just don't like that, and I see that kind of mentality a lot. And for me, it's like I would rather be the kindest, most helpful, loudest, quirkiest, weirdest dude in the room. And if it's not returned to me, then okay, then I leave and I'm out. But to flip it the other way and be like, I only give the energy that's given to me, and that's because I'm respecting my boundaries. I just I don't like that, and I see a lot of that in in self-helpness mm. and i respect everyone's opinion who writes that i find a lot of younger people tend to write that i can't believe i'm saying that now i i used uh, to be not that i'm old but i used to be the young guy saying that kind of stuff i feel like my parents but 
Uh, I see that a lot. And I just, I don't like the whole pitting people against each other. I'm all about assuming positive intent. I'm all about saying everyone is a, is a good person who is acting in a flawed way. They're, they're trying to help themselves. They don't mean necessarily, um, you know, negative intent for you. They're not necessarily trying to hurt you. And I think there's just something more hopeful and optimistic about life to have that filter on as opposed to everyone's out to get you, everyone's going to hurt you, and so on and so forth. I don't think it's a naive attitude. I think definitely life can rock you. And people, there are some very bad people out there. And there's people who do have poor intentions for you. Um, but I just, I never like the vibe where it's like you against them. You need a, you know, that, that kind of vibe. And I just see people gravitate towards that because it's easier. People like to, um, you know, contextualize them as the good person the other people are the bad people and you're kind of at battle with them. And, uh, I don't know. I just don't really like that. So I like a more, more compassionate view of, of life and love and kind of everything in between. Were the sales of, uh, some of the things that you sell, were they positively impacted by, uh, some of the like government shutdowns and things that happened surrounding coronavirus, maybe because uh, just to speculate, maybe because people's mental health was, uh, maybe compromised because just didn't have access to doing the same things we normally do. Yeah. I mean, 1 million percent. I mean, if I'm being honest, like things have been going really well the last three years, but it was this past year where things blew up. I mean, my, my podcast listenership about six X and I was always doing well before that. So like, we're almost at like a million monthly listens right now, which is pretty crazy for an independent podcast. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I've, I've sold so many journals during, during COVID for that reason. I mean, I think people are looking for more intentional ways to practice positive mental health and habits. So, I mean, I've, it's always weird to say that, you know, COVID has been kind, mm-hmm. but I'm very grateful for that opportunity. And like, I've just had more free time <laughs> during COVID, not doing much to like really invest in creating things that are, that are good for people. So like, I've got a bunch more things I've, that are almost done that I'm going to release. And I think the, the market has presented itself. People are looking for these things and, um, you know, um, the feedback has been great. So yeah, it's been, it's been a, been a weird time, but, um, hopefully, you know, I'm on the receiving end of it and I can put it back out there for a good reason. That's interesting. Has that been something that you've spoke about, uh, openly, you know, to your, to, to your fans? I really don't. I used, I used to think that I would be that guy who would be like, yeah, I've, I've sold this amount and this amount. Like I typically don't do that. Um, for a couple of different reasons. I mean, like I, I do need to figure out what I want to do because it's like, I don't want to alienate my listeners ever. Cause like, again, I'm a regular guy. We're approaching territory where it's like, again, like I'm doing something pretty crazy. Like, like I'm a one man business. That's like approaching a very, very large, like eight figure number. Like it's, it's craziness. And like I, I, but that's not who I am. Like my, my measure is impact. And I know that's a cheesy noble thing to say, but it's all enabled by, by my listeners. And and I don't ever want to put myself on another playing field or another level or anything like that. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm figuring out what that, what that means for me, but it's just all been super fast to be honest with you um, this past year. Uh, so I'm just kind of riding that wave and learning. I mean, I've learned so much this past year. I'm not an entrepreneur by heart. I was never that kid who was like selling lemonade or anything. So mm-hmm. I've kind of been flying by the seat of my pants trying to figure this out. Are you able to share that success with anybody else? Yeah, I do. So I have an advisor um, who I, I tend to, obviously he helps, but I mean, I, I confide in my friends. Like it's, it's healthy to share your wins and you should celebrate your wins, of course. And, and I tell my friends that. Um, 
and it and it's because they support me and they want that for me i just I never want to be that guy who shares his success in order to be more successful. I mean, that's like, like anyone who sells like shitty video courses on Instagram, that's what they do. They, they flex their success to, in order to get you to buy their book so that they can become successful. And that's not what I want because I'm not selling success. I'm selling fulfillment and simplicity of decision-making. Um, but I mean, but I'm, I'm big on the fact that if you're good at something, you should find a way to make money from it. And it's, there's nothing wrong with being financially motivated. I, I think money's fantastic. It enables you to do a lot. Um, I love watches. I collect watches. Those aren't cheap. And I'm never, you know, shy about that. I never want to, I was never that. And I've worked in sales for a long time. Um, did quite well there. I've never want to be that guy. Um, I was, I've never been that guy who was like, I don't really need money to, to live a, the life I want. I'm like, yeah, the life that I want involves a lot of money. That's fantastic. But it's because it serves this purpose and that purpose, not necessarily so I could have all these things, but um, yeah, it's a balance. I'm still figuring that out to be honest. And I, so you just said um, like impact and fulfillment. So I'm sure that has a ton to do with the success on the podcast. Um, but, you know, as a producer on this podcast, I want to try to obtain more downloads. Um, what have you seen has made like the biggest impact as far as growth? You know, is it because um, you said you do blog posts, you do Instagram and that sort of thing. Is there something that, um, you know, I should be focusing more on as far as getting, uh, you know, our, our reach to be a little bit bigger? So <clears throat> I think a lot about this and I've tried a lot of different things. And like I said, I've been podcasting since 2014. I had a podcast called The Hustle Sold Separately. My, part, my former business partner, Matt, still runs it. Great podcast. But in my days, I'm sure he's done well now, we, we struggled to grow it. And then even in the early days of New Mindset Who Dis, granted, I did have that initial success, but then it kind of plateaued. I was always at like, I don't know, 200,000 monthly downloads, which again is a lot and very grateful to even be able to do that. But what really changed and what has 5X those numbers is hooking into this idea of emotional triggers. Like the, the, the biggest thing you could do is you help solve a very tangible problem for people, of course, but it's got to be a universal problem so that more people listen. And for me, that was dating. Like I never did any dating episodes up until episode 70, actually episode 69, uh, cause I'm a child. I waited 69 episodes to do an episode on dating <laughs> That's great. and, uh, I did. And that's when things started to blow up because what more universal trigger emotional, inherently emotional problem that people have than in their dating life mm-hmm. and knowing my audience, which is majority women, like hearing a male perspective, a down to earth dude in his, in his thirties in Chicago, it's just brandable and, and that's what they want to hear. So I've really leaned into that. I listened really well to what um, what type of content would do well. It's just something more specific and emotional about talking about being ghosted versus doing an episode on how to be happy, right? The mm-hmm. big difference there. And honestly, you talk about headlines and clickbait, like it's still very much alive in podcasting, mm-hmm. especially once you're on the, like the Apple charts, like people look at the headlines. Like for me, I, I, did, I did an episode called Confessions of a Fuckboy. <laughs> the hundreds of thousands of downloads on that because wow what a what a what a title i'm gonna listen to it and then i of course backed it up with what i think is great content but it's triggering like what more triggering thing is there in life than being ghosted rejected overlooked frustrating dating stories because it's a universal want it's a universal need and there's universal frustrations associated with it so the solution obviously isn't everyone talk about dating <laughs> but uh i think there's always a more emotional triggers that you can lean into as opposed to how to find purpose, how to be happy, how to practice this or that. It's like 
those are the solutions to what problem identify the problem lean in on that talk about that create content around that um, and then i mean you need i mean podcasting is really tough like i can't imagine a tougher vertical to break out of it's like the Spotify, Apple Podcasts, they really don't do anyone any favors as far as being discovered. Mm. It's not like Instagram, you can get, you know, you could trend or on Twitter, get retweeted or anything like that. It's, it's so, so difficult. So you've got to create your own distribution. So for me, I have a very large email list. I've got a decent sized social following, um, things like that. I do a ton of interviews. Um, one of the biggest things that blew me up is I went on a podcast called Girls Gotta Eat, which is one of the top women's podcasts that one absolutely blew up my podcast. Um, so yeah, it's about being scrappy (laughs) to be honest, Mm -hmm. the right content, emotional triggers plus being scrappy and consistent 277 episodes over three years, never missed a single episode amidst all kinds of things happening in my life. Um, something to be said about that. And, uh, yeah. Oh, and, and I would say the last thing is asking people to share the podcast. I mean, it's, it's amazing how many people don't do that necessarily, podcast hosts don't ask people to share it or they'll be like hey don't forget to share like subscribe review buy like all these different things and people forget what to do the only thing i do is i say hey just share the podcast dm it to a friend text it to a friend bingo and that's how people discover me all the time i get dms hey i got your podcast your friend shared it with me because i was going through a breakup emotional trigger breakup i did a podcast mm-hmm. on breakups um so things like that i have a lot of thoughts on the topic <laughs> <laughs> So, um, so you, you, you're an artist, you put music out there. Um, if you can tell people a little bit more about that and what to expect, but I wanted to ask you really quick, what is it about Chicago DJs? Um, I go way back to like someone like bad boy bill. So like (laughs) I discovered him and then from there, you know, JJ Flores, Steve smooth, and then eventually like Freddie Legrand and, you know, put your hands up for Detroit. That (laughs) That was my jam. But anyway, uh, so, uh, what can people expect from your music? Yeah, yeah, man. It's the, the Midwest house music movement over here. Just always, Chicago. always crushing um, it. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely wouldn't consider myself like a talented musician or artist. I've just always been really creative and I have a passion for music. Um, so I, I've released my own album and a couple tracks um, that I've worked with some other producers. Um, but my big thing is combining mindfulness with music, mindfulness with upbeat house music, mindfulness with any, any genre of EDM. Um, I release these things called music and mindfulness mixes, um, guided meditation set to house music. And everyone's like, huh? Like, well, that doesn't make sense <laughs> because meditation is meant to be this down, downplayed silent thing. But they're, they're some of my most downloaded episodes. I've done them with some big names in, in dance music. Um, Sam Felt, Griffin. I'm working on one with Alesso, Armin, uh, Kygo uh, as well in the future. And it's just, I, it's basically my podcast set on a musical journey that gets, uh, in, you know, gradually more, uh, upbeat. And it's basically meditation that you do while you work out, while you walk, while you run, while you're moving kinetic meditation set to this music. And, um, to me, it's just really cool that I can combine these two elements that I'm passionate about mindfulness with music. Um, I'd love to create my own and really learn music production. It's just a, a challenge time-wise. So what I've been doing a lot is, is teaming up with um, DJs and producers, guys who really are, are 
popular for one, because the branding works and we bring in uh, each other's listeners and it's great. Um, but two, it's just, it's just really cool to learn from these guys. I mean, like I've always been, I go to every, every concert I can go to. I've always been that douchebag at Lollapalooza in Chicago <laughs> with my shirt off, uh, at the, at the house music tent, just, just vibing out. So, uh, I just love that kind of music. It always makes me feel super vulnerable. Um, which is a weird thing to say, like who gets vulnerable to dubstep? Like what? Uh, but it just like, it just like opens me up. I just feel like free or whatever, free to express myself, uh, but free just to like be honest with myself. And that's why I always create content to the right music. Um, and then I've always been that kind of guy that I can't just like something. I have to try it myself. So that's how I kind of got into music. And then I started releasing these music and mindfulness mixes and they've done really well. And now I've got access to some, some large names in, in the industry. Um, and it's been really cool. And, um, I can't wait for things to hopefully return to normality soon and do some in-person events and live DJing and, and things like that. How long have you been, uh, kind of focused on your health? Cause you're pretty jacked. Mm-hmm. Thanks, man. It means a lot coming from you guys. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, um, I'd say probably like the last five years, uh-huh. like focusing on it. I mean, I am a classic ectomorph. I'm like 6'2". I was 6'2", like 140 for a long time. Not, yeah, yeah, super skinny. So like now I'm 6'2", around 200. Um, Good still filled you. out. Yeah. I, and I'd, I'd owe that to one going through puberty in my 20s. <laughs> and, uh, and two... Um, just working out a lot and eating a lot. And uh, I don't know, I, I gain a lot of confidence from it. I mean, I don't think that it's, it's ever um, misplaced to, to derive confidence from your body. I don't think that's, I, don't, I never really like when people are like, that's not real confidence. I think you can derive a lot of confidence from loving your body and being confident in it. Uh, but I also just like getting stronger. I always remember I played lacrosse uh, in high school, just being like so weak in the weight room. And I just always, it wasn't necessarily like self-conscious. I just like, why, like, why am I not stronger? Like the, why am I not getting stronger and, uh, really just investing in, in my, myself and my technique and the nutrition and things like that coming out of that. And, um, just, it's just, it's just fun. It's just fun to progress and get stronger and then see results physically. Um, but also it's, I mean, it's just a sense of pride to, to go and set a goal against something and do better. And I like it. And I go in there and I listen to house music, <laughs> broken record and lift weights and take mirror selfies and it's fun. <laughs> Awesome being with you today, and uh, we appreciate the work that you're putting out there. Uh, where can people find it? Where can people pick up your book and uh, the journals that you sell? Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. This is honestly a great chat. I appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to talk about what I'm passionate about. So thank you for that. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, newmindsethoodist.com. So you can pick up any journal. The podcast is also called New Mindset Who Dis. And then uh, I'm on Instagram, case.kenny. If you want some. Uh, banger selfies and some cool quotes written on coffee cups or chicago skylines that's what i have to offer where'd that come from (laughs) the coffee cups Mm -hmm. yeah well it's it's one of those things it's like everyone posts inspirational quotes on instagram and i was like well i want to too (laughs) so Mm -hmm. how am i going to do it in a way that breaks out and digital quotes no one cares anymore it's just not real life right no one wants to look at a digital quote on instagram i was like what is something that everyone mm. touches or feels or sees every day and i was like coffee is one of those things i drink a ton of coffee i mean i've even got like cups right here like um so i was like i'm just going to start writing them on on cups and i did and i do and they get shared a lot and people really like them and it forces me to i can't tell, I do talk a lot and i have a lot of thoughts and it forces me to take you know, a big thought and condense it into one sentence. And I think that again, is the essence of simplifying 
thoughts and feelings, putting them in one sentence. And um, yeah, so it's, it's been fun. I'm that guy. I'm the coffee cup guy. I get mm-hmm. stopped a lot in Chicago because it's like my aesthetic is always the same. I wear vans and ripped jeans and usually like a kid's extra small t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm walking around with a coffee cup. And uh, that's like, that's my vibe. I'm always walking around Chicago trying to find cool places to take photos of them. Any ideas surrounding, uh, you know, maybe getting that, getting those quotes like written on uh, the little, those little slider things that keep your hands from getting too hot. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm working on some stuff like that. There we go. <laughs> it's a, awesome. It's an idea that I've, I've had for a while. I just need to get around to doing Great. it. Yeah. Like the, the coffee sleeves or whatever. Absolutely. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Man. Thanks yeah, a lot. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks. Bye. Cool. Hey, good stuff, huh? That was, that was cool. I really, 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 really like that part where he was like, um, <laughs> you know, like the, his intuition was a choice. Like, I, I really agree with that. I think that that's a big thing. If you, if you say certain things about yourself, just cause maybe your parents have said it, or I don't know, you've thought something of your, about yourself for a long time and you continue to say that you'll continue to believe it. But once you make a switch, you can change, you can change that aspect of yourself. It might yeah. not even be real. It might just be something you say because it's a belief system mm-hmm. you have but you can change that shit real quick. Mm-hmm. I think people don't realize how much negative self-talk they have and it, cause they, cause they don't even categorize it as negative <laughs> because mm-hmm. what they're saying, like they don't even know that what they're saying is, is not helpful to them. And uh, just claiming that you're not creative or something. It's just not, it's all understandable. It's understandable to, to uh, say stuff in conversation with somebody mm-hmm. like, Oh man, I had a real hard time this morning. I didn't have my cup of coffee or like, it's, yeah, you know, that's just the way humans talk. We try to get you engaged somehow. We try to, you know, ha- have someone have a little empathy or sympathy for you. And so we speak that way. But to say it out loud is, I think, is something that we should all work on. Yeah. You know, you, there's, I'm not saying that you're going to be a robot and you're never going to say any of these things. But I think it's something to be worked on. Um, even with like, sometimes I'll hear someone say, man, I got to... I got a crazy stressful week coming up mm. and it's like, really <laughs> like you, you, you know how to predict the future, mm-hmm. you know, like you didn't go through the week, you know, <laughs> you didn't, you didn't get there yet. And yeah. there could be a lot of things uh, that are coming up that, uh, but again, we have, we can make a decision on how we, how we want to reframe that. Um, I've heard you talk about this before and this is nothing new either, but like I've heard people talk about uh, being nervous mm-hmm. You know, nervousness could be like, man, I, I'm actually really hyped for this. This mm-hmm. is going to be, this is going to be a really cool experience. Uh, and, and I think scary doesn't have to be, doesn't have to necessarily be negative. You know, you can kind of think like, this is kind of scary. This like, dot, you know, going out, jumping out of a plane could be scary, but like, why do people do it? They do it because it's scary. Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of, you want that exhilaration. So um, I, I really liked a lot of the stuff that he was, uh, he was saying today and it was just cool how he was, uh, I kind of wrote this down cause it was like, he was saying a lot of stuff that spoke to a lot of the things I've been thinking, but, um, it just made things pop up in my head, like problem solving through like problem making, you know, mm-hmm. like he, he's kind of like, and he's also reverse engineering it the other way around too. Like he's identifying a problem and then he's coming up with like a solution uh, and then sometimes he's even just saying like, you know, screen capturing something and then commenting on it. Uh, I thought it was all, you know, really, really good content. And 
I think he could assist anyone to create content off of the stuff he said on today's podcast. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The disappointment thing was a pretty big deal. It was huge. I loved that. And it's actually something that I'm already you know, planning on sending my daughter, you know, she has like the biggest heart and she doesn't want to disappoint anybody. She doesn't, you know, she just wants everyone to be super happy. You know, she's, you know, like he said, um, uh, people pleaser, mm-hmm. but like, yeah, like, yeah, disappoint some people, like get in some shit. And then, um, the awkward points too. Like, I think that's super important about, um, you know, kind of getting, um, cashing them in. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just adding that into your bank because it'll pay off later. I think that's so important for a lot of young people because nobody wants to start because they don't want to fail. And then here it's like, no, like you're, you, you should actually sh- not strive, but like you should be okay with failing because that just means you're going to get better. You're going to progress. You're going to grow. I just, uh, yeah, there's, there's so many awesome uh, nuggets in this conversation today. Let me ask you guys something on that disappointment note. I was just thinking about it a little bit. I mean, I guess it's, 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 what would you say? Would you say that it's disappointing individuals expectations specifically, or is it just re- like, if somebody doesn't expect you to be able to do something or like, Oh, whatever. Right. And you do it, maybe it, it disappointed them, but it's also just like rising above expectations that other people have. Right. It, is that the same thing? Or are we necessarily talking at some points, really just disappointing people? Do you guys get what I'm saying here? Mm-hmm. I feel like it's just a different way of mm-hmm. saying the, a, a very, the same thing. It's, it's a, it's a different way of saying to be better mm-hmm. than what somebody expects of you. Right. Or, or you, I'm just wondering. It's it, it's hard to uh, like. I think what he was talking about could be made. You could look at it so many different ways. Yeah. So I think you know one way to look at it is like disappoint people so they actually understand who you really are. Like, you know, you you're you might mm-hmm. make you might make some choices on doing something, and then the person might kind of get the idea of like, oh, that's just like what they want to do more often than whatever it was that you were looking for them to do. Yeah. One of his coffee cup shots had a, uh, said this on it. I was checking it out. He said, uh, uh, well, this kind of vibes with that a little bit. You can't force someone to, uh, see, you can't force someone to see that you're a blessing. Sometimes you just have to let them miss out. Mm. So like, I mean, that one's, I guess, a little bit different. Um, you're not asking too, you're not asking too much. You're just asking the wrong person. Mm-hmm. And then the other one was, uh, sometimes you got to let people, oh, here it is. Sometimes you got to let people do what they want to do so you can see <laughs> they'd rather do, so you can see what they'd rather do. And so I think like that might be something like in the area of disappointment, like, you're you're allowing someone else to just kind of make up their mind you're not forcing them to like hang with you mm-hmm. you're forcing them to let them make their own decision it might disappoint you to see that they'd rather do something else yeah <laughs> you know so i thought that could be interpreted uh many different ways but i think also just falls in line with failure you're gonna mess mm-hmm. up sometimes uh expectations are a weird thing because you you know we shouldn't have too many expectations it's an easier way to uh monitor like your feelings being pulled all over the place but we get excited about stuff and we're like looking forward to shit and then it doesn't happen you're like fuck Mm -hmm. it's disappointing yeah the way i kind of interpreted interpreted it 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 was like um if i say like hey mark by the end of this month we're gonna have 500 
you know, new subscribers to the newsletter. Like I'm going to do it. Like I'm going to crush it. And then he asked me and I'm like, oh shit, I got like 50. Um, I'm going to feel like I disappointed him. He's not in actuality. He's probably not going to care. But the next time I go around to do something or to get those like extra subscribers, I'm going to remember this feeling and I'm going to step up big time and right. and also kind of like control expectations the next time around. Mm. Um, but I, I feel like um learning from the, that, that feeling of disappointment of disappointing someone else is a very motivating thing. You know? yeah, and you start to maybe meet each other halfway over a period of time. Right. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, well now I kind of get that this is about what I should expect. And it's like less hurtful because you're mm-hmm. not, you're not so far off. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what I was thinking is, you know, kind of going back to, uh, you know, young people not wanting to disappoint or whatever. It's like, no, like if you, if you do a little bit by, you'll, you'll kind of thrive off of that weird, like pit in your stomach when you're like, oh, I fucked up. But at, again, it's like, no, that's now my fuel. That girl walking out on him, that must've been very disappointing for him. Mm. But then it allowed a lot of growth mm-hmm. to happen. That ends up being, yeah. So I think from both sides, you know, like somebody disappoints you or you disappoint somebody, mm-hmm. Uh, there's probably opportunities for growth. I like what you said because that's a good way to look at it. Is, uh, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe I could, maybe you can recognize that and say I could do a better job. Yeah, I think sometimes with disappointment though is that you don't even know you're doing it. Mm. So that's that can be tough. Someone's got to bring it to your attention. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then that's not fun, I guess. But again, it's just another opportunity to learn. Um, Ultimately, I think he kept kind of talking about a lot of these things that uh, just fall into a category of like understanding. You know, there's people that know stuff and they can regurgitate a lot of facts and they could say, hey, this I know this, this and this. But then when you start to ask more questions deep, you go two, three questions deep. A lot of times people don't have a good and I have a good enough base uh, to really have a good, true understanding of what it is that they're talking about. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I dug this conversation way more than I thought I was. Yeah, gotten got the feels a little bit. Yeah, that, that was, was cool. Nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like how he was just so open about his banger selfies. <laughs> that's so cool. Little yeah, bit of confidence. But they also weren't really selfies, though. Mm. Yeah, well, maybe he had his yeah. self timer on. His I didn't want to. I didn't want to call him out, but I'm like <laughs> these are like real you, photos. You hired somebody. No, no, no. You could set up your your thing. Self timer. Get on the couch. Is that still a selfie Whatever. though? I thought selfie had to be phone in, in the mirror. Hand, in the mirror, or yeah, mirror. You're right. That's a self. People, that's people a self don't portrait. even really. People don't even really do selfies anymore. Like real selfies. Mm-hmm. Like a real selfie Staged. is. A real selfie is blind when you can't see it. That's yeah, a real selfie. It's, it's that shit. That's, in my opinion, that's a real mm, selfie. That's yeah. that next level. That is the OG selfie. That is grabbing the, uh, the old Polaroid and pointing it at yourself yeah. and, <laughs> and hoping that you... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you got like half your face. Super close up of just like your nose. Damn or something. it. That was $2.50 for a missed selfie. Fuck. Yeah, but now you, got, you can go 0.5, but then your arm looks all long. That's so cool. Yeah, that is a pretty cool thing. That's that. That's a sick the yeah. possibilities of what you can make look longer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it seems yeah. going to go get a new iPhone. <laughs> I'm, I'm ordering that today. I think <laughs> man I think needs you, it. I think you can do it on the older phones too. You can. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, can, yeah. I've tried. Oh, yeah, well, tried? How, old, <laughs> how old is this thing? Well, I have a I have a 10x or 10s. Sorry. Oh my uh, god, it has a cord on it. Yeah, it's it's, it's plugged into the wall. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, it doesn't have it on there. I don't think it does. Man. Yeah, I'm, I'm st- 
totally fine with my phone, but when iPhone I seen 11? some of those pictures, I was blown away. Oh, oh not on reverse do. mode, only on forward. Only on forward, forward mode. mode. Oh, there's just that, huh? Yep, yep. Just rub uh, it in. Yeah, it doesn't go. Wait, is that a regular photo? Is that a portrait? Or This isn't a regular photo. God damn it. Yeah. How old is that? 2000? Is that 10? Yeah, this is the 10S Max. Ah, oh, okay. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm living well, like a peasant over here. My bad, man. Yeah, I don't even have the Max. And I, I don't, oh, yeah, yeah. You, I legit, living. yeah, I don't really care like about like new features and stuff, but when Say I that see now, no, when I seen that, so Mark had sent some pictures for something. I uh-huh. don't remember what it was, but he was like, oh, you like that? Check this out. And he sends just like a, you know, the wide angle selfie. And I'm just like, oh my God, the detail, like yeah, it would man. be such a pain in the balls to get that with an uh, SLR or yeah. just like whatever it may be. And he just did it with his phone in seconds. I'm like, Damn it. Uh-huh. Like, His phone's getting crazy. Yeah, that's that's wild. Damn, we got to upgrade your phone, bro. <laughs> what are people going to think? <sighs> that I'm poor. You represent our company. You're out there wearing <laughs> <laughs> You're out there wearing our stuff all the time. Yeah. I, I can oh, hide man. behind my big camera and be like, "No, I, I don't mess with the phone. You know, I got to use my my actual camera, but you know, you Damn. we got to we got to step up." Hey guys, if you're going to take some action off this episode, go buy yourself a journal. Or maybe get get Case's journal. It's probably pretty dope from like all his prompts and stuff. It'd probably be a good idea. Yeah, I like. It what sounded he, great. Yeah. It sounded awesome. I like what he said about like some of them are too like just you know, like the empty one or whatever he said the plain yeah, ones, yeah, and then the other ones are like whoa. Like, there are some like don't you have that habit journal? Yeah, it's I, like but that's one for like work, right? Yeah, well, like yeah, it's 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 rough because Stephanie got it got it for me for Christmas, and I was really pumped about it. But mm-hmm. then like when I dove into it, I'm like, oh, I I. It's about like making a schedule and like how much prompt. work you want me to do. I'm like I gotta clear my schedule in order to write my schedule down, <laughs> and it just I was like, you know, it was it was tough and like it was like real thick, like bulky, so yeah, like yeah, I couldn't yeah. carry it with. I mean, I I could carry it with me, but then it became a thing, you know, like I had to make room for it. Uh-huh. I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't, like I can't do this. Yeah. Too big of a commitment. And then half those things I can never write in them because I write all over the place like a fucking madman. That's <laughs> the other thing. It would ask you like, you know, whatever the questions are and it give you like three lines. And I'm like, yeah. well, I I need at least, you know, two lines to make sure I get the letters straight. You know, Dude, how like, does he write that shit on the coffee cups? That looks impossible. Yeah. yeah it, it, Maybe he prints them out. <laughs> you know how hard that would be to write on a fucking coffee cup well it's a it's a paper one so i know like, but still no but like it's a, got pretty good handwriting and trying yeah. to trying to just sign the uh the the whiskey bottle over there yeah now imagine mm-hmm. it like smaller and round rounded and then he writes a paragraph on them shits mm-hmm. so he's gonna sell the fuck out of those little sleeves sleeves yeah mm-hmm. that dude is good at branding though you like when you when you see like how he branded his ig and all that stuff that that was very well thought out very well thought out. Take us on out of here, Andrew. Uh, after I burp. Oh. Yeah, my bad. <clears throat> oh, oh, falling oh. apart. Oh, oh, wow. I'm okay. Okay. Thank you, everybody, for checking out today's episode. Uh, if you guys dug it, make sure you do slap a like. And if you're not subscribed, please do so and hit the uh, bell notification so you guys can find out when we go live. And well, that is someone's talking really loud. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that's all about. Uh, a lot of stuff always going down at uh, Slingshot Headquarters. Mm-hmm. Please make sure you're following the podcast at Mark Bell's Power Project on Instagram, at MB Power Project on TikTok and Twitter. Uh, kind of messing around with TikTok again. My Instagram 
I guess I do have a TikTok uh, clubhouse and Twitter is at I am Andrew Z and Seema, where are you at? And Seema Inyang on Instagram, YouTube, Clubhouse, TikTok, and Seema Yin-Yang on Twitter, Mark. At Mark Smelly Bell, strength is never weakness, weakness is never strength. Catch you guys later.